Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They had a chance to become uh, uh, citizens in this country, but they, they were forced not to uh, uh, become uh, like whitey or honky or whatever they call them. And now who did that? Uh, well, the Democratic Party, uh, Lyndon Johnson, uh, said, look, here's some free money. Uh, I'm going to give you free money. Uh, oh, wait a minute. There's only one one catch. You can't have a man in the house. So that broke down the fam- black family. And then you had Martin Luther King, who everybody admired. He was a communist. What they don't understand is communism is the highest form of, the, of, of slavery, but only because they give them free stuff, they keep doing it. They did it, tried it with this election. They've been at this for 50, 60 years. Joe McCarthy was right many years ago, saying there was a communist in every every block. Of course there was. So Trump has his uh, work cut out for him. If he can correct in four years what they've been doing for 50, 60 years, and they're very upset because they really felt that they had this in the bag, that Hillary had it in the bag. They had everything rigged like you wouldn't believe. These are liars. These are cheats. These are uh, sadists, masochists, satanic people. They uh, they commit satanic sacrifices. My friend Ted Gunderson used to be head of the FBI office in Los Angeles. He started exposing them uh, about these satanic sacrifices, little children that they kidnapped. These are the Democrats. They killed Ted. They got him with arsenic. Sonny Bono was going to expose uh, the Clinton-Bush crime families. They killed him, too. Now, like I said, I I don't care what color a person's skin is or what the religion or whatever, but I'm sick and tired of being called a racist and every name in the book, but yet I'm the racist. I'm the only one, a white male, I'm the only one excluded from affirmative action. But yet blacks can go out and have black colleges, black entertainment television, black this, black that. They can rape, rob, steal, burn down cities and then be rewarded for it. Now, a lot of Americans would say it was a grave mistake by dying to free African slaves during the Civil War. And a lot of Americans saying yes because a lot of them are still under the hold of the Democratic Party. Should President, and they're also asked, should President Lincoln have sent the post-war blacks back to, well, he was going to send them to uh, the Caribbean. Thomas Jefferson wanted to deport them back to, well, not, but to Central America. Now, the other thing is, should this guy, this guy, this idiot, communist, piece of crap, Lewis, a former Black Panther, came out and spilled the beans on this guy, saying that when he was beat up, when they were going for civil rights, the people that beat him up were Democrats. 
So he became afraid and went with the Democrats. He's still a slave. Look back in history. I mean, all, every one of these blacks that are boycotting uh, this inaugural are communists. They belong to the Communist Party. Should Al Sharpton be arrested in prison for owing millions of dollars in back taxes? What do you think would happen if you did it or I did it? You'd be in jail. It's not racial discrimination. It's only committed against white taxpayers. Now, what I'm going to be talking about with Frank here, we talked about it last week, that there was a possibility that ISIS was working with the drug cartels in Mexico. And I did get word back from uh, one of my sources that they did an investigation, and they said if they do try it, they're going to be wiped out. So I hope he's right, because there's some serious things that, that are changing. Uh, some of the security measures are very similar to what happened in Dallas uh, with uh, uh, John F. Kennedy. And this uh, CIA, head of the CIA, well, the CIA and the mafia are the ones that killed JFK, and the head of the CIA now is a communist and a Muslim, a Muslim convert. And they're going to do everything they can. I mean, they are pissed off. So they're going to do everything they can to stop Trump getting in office because he's upsetting the apple cart. He's making the shit float to the surface. And hopefully he'll have a scooper big enough to get rid of it. I mean, it's just amazing how far we've gone down. I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah was nothing compared to what California has become, my home state. So, Frank, why don't you weigh in on some of these things and also the ISIS and all these uh, things that are coming up on Friday. What do you feel is going to happen? I mean, I think it's going to be one of the most unusual events we've ever seen. I lived in Washington, D.C. for a number of years, and I saw heavy-duty events, huge. But uh, this, I was at the Million Man March with the, when Farrakhan was up there calling this an evil experiment gone wrong and that Jews were gutter rats and everything else. So what do you think, Frank? Well, uh, it's already you know, a very unusual uh, inauguration even before it ever happens. You know, I mean, I've never uh, I've never seen anything like this since I've been alive, you know, to where, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, people were upset about George Bush and they lined the way and threw tomatoes at his limousine and stuff. You know, okay. And, and I'm all for that. You know, that's America. You know, if you don't like something, get out there and you're not going to hurt anybody by throwing tomatoes at them or anything like that. That's good. But I've never seen anything like where groups are being videotaped planning to chain down the, the metro subways and uh, talking about punching people in their throats. And, uh, you know, that that's what these little weasel uh, snowflakes are talking about. And they're, and they're caught on, on video doing it, you know, and I, I just don't get, well, I do get, but I mean, people who are kind of clueless out there need to start asking themselves, well, gee, you know, if I can watch this on YouTube that, you know, these guys are planning to assault people, damage property, and basically shut down the city, uh, why isn't the FBI doing something about it? Why aren't they going to these people? I mean, if this guy with the video thing, uh, you know, O'Keefe, can find these people, why can't the FBI? 
think the answer to that, Frank, we saw it with Commie when he uh, uh, let uh, uh, Hillary off the hook. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's uh, completely contaminated. You, I think you remember Ted Gunderson when I used to have him on the show when – when Ted was head of the FBI, it was a clean operation, but he said it had been completely taken over by the Illuminati. And uh, uh, like I said, they are going to do everything in their power to stop this. Now, a lot of these rioters are being paid $2,500 just to go out that one time. $2,500 are being paid. Sure. And they're also talking about using poison gas. Yeah. I, I read that too, you know, and 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 you know, so you got to wonder why, you know, if this this kid with a a video can find these guys and video them, why can't the FBI? Where are they? Are they allowing this? Is that what's going on? Because if it is, well, then, you know, the FBI needs to be shut down, and everybody involved in it needs to go to prison, including especially Comey. Yeah, yeah, what happened with JFK, it was the same thing happened. Uh, the green light was given to kill JFK by our own government. Uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson, uh, also Nixon, and also uh, J. Edgar Hoover, uh, same thing. And that's why I'm a little worried about this. Well, I'm, uh, hoping, that Trump, I'm hoping that Trump has learned something from all that. Be- and, I, and I think he may have, and I don't know how true these reports are, but I w- was reading that Trump has decided to keep his own security people. Well, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Oh, me either. But I mean, it's it, it, it's showing at least a, a little bit that maybe he is aware of what kind of snake pit he's walking into. Well, he, they, his group uh, is really concerned of a coup d'etat. They are concerned about that. Uh, that I know. I've seen that. Uh, before we go any further, Frank, uh, if people like to call in, um, join in conversation. You know, like what we're saying, call in. If you like what we're saying, call in. Toll free number is eight hundred nine three two one nine eight zero. Again, eight hundred nine three two one nine eight zero. Call in and tell us to drop dead or whatever you want, um, or if you like it. Uh, if you're an American and you uh, really feel that uh, you know we're we're being given the shaft for the last well many many years. The Bush crime, Bush Clinton crime families ran the White House for 40 years plus. Uh, the reason why they're so upset it upsetted their criminal enterprise that uh, Congress and that's all Congress is right now is a criminal enterprise. Uh, the blacks in the in the Democratic Party are all communists. Uh, they hate Whitey. They want their own uh, uh, state uh, part of the country. I say, hey, you you don't like it here? Here's a free ticket, one-way ticket. Take away their passports and don't come back. Like Rosie O'Donnell and all the rest of these creeps that uh, say, well, uh, they're going to go to Canada. In fact, there's one college student uh, right now who said he's going to cut off his penis if Trump builds a wall. Well, I've already sent him a knife, so if you want to <laughs> Well, you know, him. I'm all for California leaving the union and uh, the rest of the, you know, the border states build a wall around there. And, and, you know, they keep bragging about, oh, we got the sixth biggest economy. Well, I'd like to see how California would do on their own. They would crash and burn in in, in 10 days. That That state would never make it. They can't compete. Uh, it's a sad disgrace of what that, you know, and they took probably one of the nicer states, one of the more, you know, prosperous states and, and turned it to crap. I mean, that you want to see what, you want to see what Democrats can accomplish. 
you go look at what happened to California. You look at it in the 60s and the 50s, and then you look at it now. This is what Democrats accomplish. You want some more proof? Go look at Chicago and see what Democrats can accomplish. Well, Frank, I grew up in San Francisco, and it was a beautiful city. I didn't think so growing up there because you know, I didn't know anything else. But after traveling, I go, wow, you know, people are right. Uh, but they've absolutely ruined ruined San Francisco. Uh, friends of mine, uh, childhood friends of mine, they went to grammar school, high school uh, together, uh, are, are fed up. They said the streets are dirty. Uh, people are urinating, defecating on the sidewalks. Uh, there are special areas for the homeless uh, to sleep. Well, they turned uh, it into a ghetto. Yeah, and, and then they say, well, we're a sanctuary city. Uh, and, yeah, you know, the only uh, weapon that Trump has that I see is to withhold federal funding. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, 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 would, I, would, I would withhold every dime from the whole state of California. Not one penny would go back to California for any reason whatsoever. Education, roads, nothing, nada, zip, not a thing, not one penny. Good. You got such a big economy. You're such big shots. You're so, okay, good. Good luck. You know, no money, nothing, zero. Oh, we, can't, we can't let California go. I like yeah, we can't let California go. We really can. Well. Because it's I, already I, gone, I, John. It's already gone. You You know, you're talking about. San Francisco being in bad shape and that's you know San Francisco is pretty much considered northern California I mean it's 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 up there southern California is is gone I mean it makes it makes San Francisco look like a nice place okay it it's it, the state is it's a shame but it's a fact and I know there's some counties up in the north that you know, there's no real cities up there, and there's it's just basically woods. But it's still California, and all the rules and regulations and laws still apply up there, and all the taxes still apply up there, and it's well, killing those people. The people that destroyed San Francisco, the the way it was stiff. First is the homosexuals. They came into town and uh, they beautified uh, areas that were really run down. And people said, well, maybe they're not so bad. They okay. Then they moved in a little more. And then when AIDS came out in San Francisco, uh, bisexual men went out and had sex with uh, heterosexual women to spread AIDS to uh, heterosexual women because they knew if it stayed with them, they wouldn't get government funding. Now, I'm, that's not me just saying that. I used to work at the newspaper there, and uh, Randy uh, Schultz uh, was a writer, and he wrote a book, and the band played on. He was a homosexual, and, and it's in his book, and there's also a movie, and the band played on where this was happening. In the bathhouses, they would have sex with 100 people and then uh, go out and have sex with a heterosexual woman to spread the disease because they, they knew what, then they want us to uh, pay for it. The well, same way with uh, abortion. Well, and you here's know, the thing. You know, they're still doing it. I read about it all the time. They're still doing it. They know they have AIDS, and they're going out there having sex with as many people as they can. Because they're yeah. vicious, bitter little deviants is why. Yeah, there's something wrong with liberals. I mean, their brain, uh, they, you know, they, they should really be neutered, uh, every every single one of them. Well, I think that's what Lyndon B. Johnson had in mind when he did the whole, uh, you know, it kind of backfired. But I think that's what he had in mind when they put in the rule, well, you know, we'll give you money and take care of your kids, but you can't have a man around. Because they figured, yeah, well, you know, if there's no man around, you won't be having any more kids. Because at the time... 
you know, the black community was a religious community. Most blacks were Christians, and they and they not only just called themselves Christians, they actually tried to live, you know, by Christian principles. And, uh, you know, they probably figured, hey, you know, if there's no man around, then you won't be getting pregnant again, and we'll be cutting you down in uh, population. And that was where Lyndon Johnson really was coming from, because he was pals with Margaret Sanger and that whole uh, eugenics group. You know, I mean, this is what right. they wanted. And the blacks got to understand that the Democratic Party has, and listen, wanted to exterminate you for a long time. It wasn't the Republicans. It's not conservatives. Yeah, sure, conservatives, uh, you know, businessmen, sure, they want to take advantage of you. They want to take advantage of anybody. It's not just you. It's got nothing to do with your skin color. It's that, hey, if you can work. They're going to try to take advantage of you. They don't care what color you are. I mean, isn't that clear? They'll hire Indians, Asians, uh, blacks, whites. They don't care as long as you'll work for nothing. Uh, you're our boy. But the Democrats, see, they got this eugenics history to where they just think you're monkey people that need to die. And yet they come out there and act like, oh, you know, we're for you and you got to. So how's that working out for everybody? How how the eight years of Obama, how'd that help the black community? Well, Frank, we're coming up on uh, break here, and I just want to make a couple of announcements. Again, the toll-free 932-190. Again, 800-932-1980. Now, yeah, I hope you can. I hope you can hear me. Okay. Well, now yeah, I can, but you were going in and out there for a minute. I thought we lost. Yeah, there's something there's something wrong with the, um, I don't know, Skype or whatever. Uh, um, the first song we're going to play uh, at the beginning of break is uh, a friend of mine, uh, Randy Forrester. He used to be with Elvin Bishop, and then he was with Eddie Money for many years. I'm hoping he'll be on the show next week along with Donnie Baldwin from Starship. Uh, we're going to do a, a whole hour on uh, just the music industry, my part of the music industry when I produce concerts, also Randy, Donnie Baldwin, and I think think you'll enjoy this song. Again, toll-free number is 800-932-1980. <laughs>
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. You've just defended yourself with a gun. There were multiple assailants, and you were really concerned about your legal jeopardy and the resulting media coverage. Was deadly force justified? In your town, the politics of self-defense is not favorable, but at least you're alive and your family is protected. Fortunately, you have Self-Defense Fund, a comprehensive litigation membership, backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
Welcome back to America Betrayed. I'm your host, John Clark. You're listening to us on AVR, American Voice Radio Network. If you'd like to call in, the toll-free number is 800-932-1980. And again, also go to nationalwriterssyndicate.com, where you're going to read about the truth. And here on AVR, you're going to hear the truth. Um, Tonight's uh, discussion is about what's happening uh, Friday with the uh, uh, inaugural uh, a little worried about it because now all these uh, uh, black communists, and uh, which I feel should be listed as a terrorist group, uh, which we talked about uh, earlier. Uh, also, you know, I was talking about how I've worked with many blacks all my life. In fact, one of my co-hosts uh, before I got sick was uh, Sonny Turner, lead singer for the Platters. And I had to cut him off because he pulled a race card on one of my guests one night, and I was really shocked. Uh, I, I don't pull it, and I hope uh, they don't pull it, but they do. I, I was just amazed at uh, some of these movie stars like Morgan Freeman thinking Jesus Christ is, is Obama. And, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of respect for these people, but I would say boycott all these uh, uh, TV shows, uh, movies, because these people are totally, totally out of touch. They're, they're, they're crazy. They're absolutely crazy. But for a little change of pace, uh, I like to go down where it's nice and quiet, a nice, peaceful place that's down in the Arizona desert where uh, my friend and co-host uh, Rattlesnake Ray lives. I hope it's still peace and quiet down there. Let's go down and see what's happening. Ray, uh, I, I thought you were living in a peaceful, quiet place down there. Yeah, John, that was kind of peaceful quiet there. You need to uh, cue the Apocalypse Now helicopters, and uh, it'd be more like what really goes on here in the, uh, the southern border. You could uh, oh. have Robert Duvall standing out there <laughs> saying how he likes the smell of uh, kerosene from burning from a helicopter in the morning sun yeah, while they're being like, chased up the road. Yeah, I like the smell of napalm. Uh, yeah, we're talking. We're talking about uh, how blacks have uh, really degenerated over the years, uh, thanks to the Democratic Party uh, keeping them as slaves. Uh, you know, taking away their, uh, that man out of the house, and uh, we've seen all the the cities that they've destroyed in this country. And uh, I think they're one of the most destructive forces, and they're being used. And uh, I, I don't know if they're too far gone or if. Uh, uh, Trump can uh, save it, and they're saying, well, we're bad, but yet uh, there was a, a black uh, uh, college band that wanted to uh, play at Trump's thing, but they didn't have money. Well, being on the, on Fox Network, uh, the people raised a half a million dollars for him. White people care about black people, and they don't care about the trash that's out there now. And these politicians could care less. The black politicians care less about black people. They just want them enslaved. They don't realize that uh, all the people that you, you that I've known, black people, you knew them when I had them on the show. We had uh, uh, Isola Foster, who ran for vice president of the United States. We had others. 
uh, all black, and they went to their leaders to get things done and never could because they're pieces of crap is all they are. All the black leaders are evil, no good, communist, and they've sold their people down the drain. And it's really a shame because uh, there are still some good black people out there, but uh, when only 8% votes for Trump, then you see that there's still racists out there. They are the racists. Uh, how do you feel about that, Ray? Well, yeah, John, I agree with what you're saying. The uh, black or so-called uh, African leaders, they, got, they like to say African-American. I won't use the African-American with them. I'll just flat out say African, because if you want to be an African, just uh, don't insult the the uh, idea of America or American by putting African in front of it. But the black leaders, to me, are the same type of people who back in the 1600s with the slave trade were the actual people who went out and rounded up other blacks. They were Africans. They were black Africans who went through the different uh, countries on the continent of Africa and brought their own dark-skinned black people to the shores to put on ships to come over to, uh, you know, Britain and the various West Indies and America and different countries as slaves. So they, they basically, I, I think they're keeping them as slaves right now. Just it's for money. It's all for money. Well, it's their voting block, and uh, those were Muslims that were uh, uh, taking their own people in. Yeah, but yet uh, it's really amazing that the liberals love Muslims. Uh, the homosexuals are promoting Muslims, yet they want to throw them off the roof. Uh, these dumbass women uh, uh, promoting uh, Muslims and joining them. Uh, this Lindsay Lohan, I understand, has gone over the Middle East to uh, become a Muslim. I mean, what's wrong with these people? Well, how do you know what, John? You say Lindsay Lohan. I mean, they're all idiots that gone over there and do that. But uh, that that despicable human being, traitorous Jane Fonda, the Hanoi, Hanoi whore, she should have just stayed right over with the communists in North Vietnam and uh, and become uh, you know a communist over there. They it, it's just amazing the amount of hate that goes on with the white guilt and hate that these people have for America. And if it wasn't for America, the United States of America does more for black people than any other country, nation, continent, civilization in the world. If, you, right. you know, if any of them would like to, why don't they go uh, over to Africa and see what the conditions are when they're living over there, but they better learn how to use uh, machetes and AK-47s first in order to protect themselves because they're killing each other over there. I remember when Muhammad Ali first went to Africa and he got off the plane, he looked around, he says, I sure am glad my ancestors got on those ships. Uh, so I, uh, one African country over there offered any, any black from America to go over there for free land, but they're not going to go because they'd have to work it. Uh, they've been spoiled, uh, but they've all, they don't realize they're under control. They're enslaved. Now, we were talking about uh, uh, Obama being tried for treason. Uh, Hillary being tried for treason, uh, and uh, a few others. I, I think practically all of them that uh, worked with uh, Obama in the White House should be tried for How do you feel about that, Ray? Well, it should only be about a, a two-day trial, but then again, it might have to be longer than two-day trial, maybe a two-week trial, if I just keep bringing up the treasonous and traitorous acts that both of those anti-Americans have perpetrated on you know, in the in the name of the, their Democrat 
party. But the uh, reason I say two weeks, it would probably take two weeks to just read off at 24 hours a day the traitorist uh, attacks that they're guilty of. But, you know, John, you know, it's never going to happen. They'll just, uh, when Obama gets out, he's just going to keep rising and rising in the, the eyes of uh of all these uh, liberal, socialist, Democrat, communists that uh, are just going to look at him as the, the Messiah, the greatest ever. You know, they're all going to have those tingles down their legs like that idiot was it that oh, yeah. Matthew said when he's next to, you know, just simple things. But, uh, yeah, 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 Frank, I, Frank, I, yeah, I would like to see Hillary locked up. I mean, Hillary should be locked up in uh even Obama today, when he released this uh, Puerto Rican that should be in jail for 55 years, he was on a he was a, a terrorist back in the 1970s, but they didn't quite call it that then. Uh, you know, I, I just it's amazing what I think it's just what he's going to do tomorrow with his pardons would probably stand for sedition, you know, traitorous acts against the United States by the time he gets done pardoning. And, you know, two or three days when he's going to turn loose. Frank, how do you feel about that? Hey, John. Uh, well, I don't know. I got to laugh when you mentioned Lindsay Lohan and uh, <laughs> what's wrong with these people. Talk about two weeks. I mean, you know, that won't cover it. You know, you, you could go on and on. <laughs> uh, it's just, look, America's got so many problems. I... Uh, I don't know what to say other than, you know, I'm really glad Hillary Clinton did not get elected. Uh, and, and I've got nothing particularly, you know, real against Trump. Uh, I don't trust him. But even if I did trust him and even if I did love him and even if I was supportive of him, uh, I got to say, I don't I don't I don't see how he can fix things. Uh, we have fundamental problems that are beyond fixing i mean we have uh we have a morality problem in this country the the foundation this country was based on was Christ, christian principles and they've destroyed that which means you've destroyed the foundation that this country sits on then another foundation of our monetary system is our currency and that's a phony fake paper tiger it's it's a fraud it's it, you know there's it's a debt-based system it can't stand it's a ponzi scheme that's run its course it's about to collapse I, you know you could go on and on and on about it then you look at the military we can't we can't even get an aircraft carrier in the ocean anymore we can't build an aircraft that that flies anymore we can't even build a boat for around the uh you know the shores the littoral fleet that they can't build that either because there's so much corruption. The Zumwalt breaks down in the Panama Canal because we don't make any of our own uh, microchips in this country anymore. We buy them from China. China? Really? Supplying our microchips for our destroyers? You know, we have problems. And, and then we go, you know, and then, of course, there's the ones everybody knows about. We We have an immigration problem. We have a refugee problem. You know, we have these these problems that everybody knows about, but they aren't the foundational problems. So I think we've got real problems that aren't going to be solved, and people need to basically hunker down and prepare themselves for a real rough ride. Yeah, I would agree with you. Now, if people want a wake-up call, and if you want to, if you doubt uh, what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah, 
And if you have Google Earth, uh, go to the Dead Sea, and on the west side, look at the ashes all along the whole de Dead Sea there. That's the remains of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, that was discovered many years ago by Ron Wyatt. Uh, it, they proved beyond a doubt that it was Sodom and Gomorrah because they found brimstone with 98% sulfur in it. Uh, so ch check it out now. They thought homosexuality was uh, uh, fine too. And it's like, just like in California, they just, uh, um, uh, we also have a caller, Scooter. Scooter, hello. Yo, brother. How you doing? Hey. What would you, what hey, would you I'm like good. to talk you about? Know, I was listening to your program. I wanted to go back a step. Um, you know, I'm really upset. I'm an employer. I hire, I hire anybody. I don't care if they're black or they're white or they're Hispanic or Asian or Caucasian. I, I give everybody a chance. If, they, if they're up for the spot, I put them in it. But I'm tired of being singled out as, as, as a bad guy because I put a black man to work and then all of a sudden I'm being sued for sexual harassment or uh, I'm being singled out because he says that, well, A, he can't perform, and when I have a problem with that, it's, oh, you're, you're, you're a racist. You're, you're coming against me. And it, there's nothing of the kind. It had nothing to do with race, creed, or color. And... What's really killing me is that they throw the race card, but if you were to ever say anything about being white, you're the racist. It's 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 totally bass backwards. It's like we're being we're being held hostage for something that happened a hundred years ago. Yeah, a long long time ago. Uh, you're absolutely right, Scooter. Uh, I, I hired uh, blacks when I was told not to when I was very young. I was a uh, uh, manager of a, uh, a shop, and they told me not to hire any blacks. And I said, why not? They said, just don't hire any. I, I had to hire all Hispanics. This was in Los Angeles. And uh, I, uh, one black man came to me one day, and he was in tears. I've got a you know wife and two kids. I need a job. And I gave him a job. Uh, well, the next day he filed for uh, disability, and they said that's why we don't want you to hire hire blacks. So well, uh, it's, it's very sad, and I and I I don't want to judge somebody by their by their color by any means, and I and I, because I've actually had many black friends that I found to be very upstanding citizens that paid their taxes and supported their families and did their jobs. Um, but moving backwards in time, when I was in college. I ended up in a dispute with another black student, and he sat in the classroom in front of many students, and he called me many, he said, honky, white boy, ghost, cracker, whatever, right on down the line, okay? And I made the mistake. I turned around and I said, hey, why don't you be quiet, you black spot? I said that, okay? And instantly, I was the Klan's member. It, every head in that room spun, and I became the bad man. And uh, I was actually held after by the professor and kind of warned to keep my mouth shut. I was like, did you not hear what he said to me? Was that not racist? And he's, he, he agreed with me, but not in so many terms, but basically said, just don't ever talk to him again. Do not associate. And I was like, this is wrong. This is out of, this is out of line. Well, it's called uh, genocide of the white race, uh, which is being perpetrated by a group of people. 
uh, like I don't know if you heard earlier that uh, affirmative action only the white male is excluded from uh, affirmative action as part of the uh, you know the getting rid of uh, the hey, white race which I'll they share did in South Africa. Story with you. My father was involved with the military and he was in Germany and. For quite some time, a bunch of the black soldiers had shirts made that said, it's a black thing, across the shirt. Nobody ever said anything, okay? This went on for some time. They had a shirt that said, it's a black thing. And then, out of nowhere, a couple of white soldiers had a shirt that said, it's a white thing. Who do you think got run up the flagpole? Who do you think got freaking dragged in and told not to freaking wear a shirt that says, it's a white thing? It's yeah, the, 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 white, the white guys. Well, Scooter, where, where are you right. calling from? El Cajon, California. Oh, okay, great. How's the weather out there? Uh, today was a little bit nipply, but I'm used to like 70-something, so <laughs> it goes to 68. I'm putting on a jacket. So. Well, that's good. I really appreciate your call. So, uh, Scooter, you ready for uh, you ready to leave the union with California? Uh, you know, California's fucked up. A lot of problems. Um, I, I've been here for a long time. I like the weather. I got a lot of connections. But uh, uh, you're right. I've actually contemplated freaking jumping out of here because it's so anti-American. They are. I got more hands in my pocket than I, I can't even put my own hands in my pocket. Well, because. let me ask you something, Scooter, from somebody trying to do business in California, which, gosh, you, you must be a really, really super hard-working guy because uh, I know some people who live in California, and <laughs> I don't know how you, I don't know how you can do business in California. But from somebody who is doing business down there, uh, what do you figure would happen if? You know, California keeps, uh, you know, sticking its nose at uh, Trump, and he says, okay, fine, no more federal money. Uh, how's California going to do? Uh, what are they going to turn around and do? They, well, I mean, can well, they, ta- you know, can, they actually, can they actually tax you more? I mean, is there is there any more to tax? Hey, more than 50% of every dollar I earn pays some variety of tax, whether it be sales tax or luxury tax or liquor tax or tobacco tax, whether it be gasoline tax or freaking tax for the air I breathe and the water I drink. They tax everything we do, and it is outrageous, and many people are are being crippled by it. And, hey, let me tell you something. I've raised my family in San Diego. I am the single-income provider for my family. My wife has not worked for 19... Well, she has. She's helped me raise my family and take care of my household. And I'm very lucky that I live conservatively enough to support my family and my household for the last 19 years. But every single year, it gets a little tighter and a little a little harder to make ends meet. And guess what? I'm making more now, today, than I've ever made before in my life. But if you could show it me in, in my bank account, I, I don't see it because it's not there. Because all we do is survive. There's no savings. I'm not running to my investors and going, oh, I got extra money. I do not have extra money. We are just surviving. And I question myself about it. I have in-laws and family members that live in other states, and they're like, Scotty, it's much cheaper. It's much easier. Come out here. 
and I question what I'm doing on a regular basis. Well, what yeah. I'm at, what I'm asking you though, because California's shooting their mouth off about wanting to leave the union and uh, go, you know, okay, well, if they leave, then they don't get obviously, then they get no federal money. Uh, I don't see, even though California claims to be the sixth largest economy on the planet, I don't see California being able to make it the way they're doing things. If they were, okay, fine, you can go off on your own, good luck, bye-bye, I think they'd be bankrupt in six months. Look at the city of San Diego. you got a billionaire that owns a football team asking for the taxpayers to buy a stadium? Are you kidding me? This is unreal. We're not doing it. I'm not doing that. I was like, get the hell out of here. The Chargers can leave. Goodbye. Have a good life. Yeah, Scooter and, the city, and Frank, of San Diego it, it, itself, the city of San Diego itself is bankrupt itself because they are paying their employees more after they retire than they ever even made when they were in office. And yeah. they, they've set themselves up for failure across the board. Uh, Frank and Scooter, we're coming up on the end of the show. And, uh, Scooter, I hope you can uh, hang out there. And, Frank, uh, the Chinese can move in and take uh, go in with uh, California. The Chinese have already taken over San Francisco. So that's the one thing we have to well, keep an eye out. Scooter, good luck out there. Yeah, great uh, We've got Middle Easterns out here. We're coming up on the uh, end of the show here. Thanks for calling in, Scooter. And, uh, Frank, uh, any last words or Ray? No, uh, just, uh, you know, folks, don't just sit and be a spectator. You know, get involved if you're thinking, well, I don't know about what these guys are saying. Then go go find out. Do some research and start preparing for, jeez, because if you don't, I don't know what's going to happen to you. Yeah. Yeah, Ray, good, how about you? good advice. And, and be positive, you know, be optimistic, be positive. We are living still in the, the greatest country that this world has ever seen. United States of America, and, and uh, it's just, uh, you know, the American spirit is indomitable. We we just do not give up, and we will beat these SOBs back. We have, we'll, we've beaten them back time after time, and I think eventually, like Frank said, it will take a while, but we'll beat these county Democrats back, you know, whether whatever it takes, whether it's at the ballot box or if it's on the battlefield, and that's what needs okay. to be done. But God Ray, bless yeah. America. Ray, thanks again for coming on the show, being the co-host, and same to you, uh, Frank. And uh, this is AVR, American Voice Radio Network. And don't forget, go to nationalwritersyndicate.com. You can get a preview of each week's show uh, one week prior. That's www.nationalwritersyndicate.com and AVR. Also, go to Amazon.com. I have two books out there. If you like The Grateful Dead, I have one book, Dead Angel, which is about growing up with Jerry Garcia and the biker uh, clubs from early 50s in San Francisco. And my other book, Posan, which is a pretty scary book about my encounter with aliens that went on for a 10-year period. Uh, check them both out. That's Dead Angel and Posan. And uh, the, the song we're ending with is a song from my childhood friend, uh, Jerry Garcia. He went left, I went right. I didn't 
uh, uh, like his politics at all later because he became a lefty and and uh, you know the whole Grateful Dead. But I do like this song. I hope you enjoy it and uh, see you next week when hopefully uh, Donnie Baldwin from Starship, my friend Randy Forrester from Eddie Money and Elvin Bishop uh, will be on the show. We'll have a whole night of music and Ray. I hope you join us with that. And Frank, thanks again. And uh, here's the song uh, Touch of Grey. and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. 
I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Worried about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com, N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Dr. Krupa's Natural Health Hour here on American Voice Radio. Uh, the call-in number, if you'd like to be on the show or comment or any kind of suggestion, is 1-800-932-1980. Frank, our producer and owner, will take good care of you and get you on the air. We're going to be joined with my wonderful co-host and friend, Joe Lawrence, in just a minute. We are broadcasting in separate locations, and I don't have a studio audience today, which is not as much fun. Our studio audience definitely keeps it going. Uh, but anyway, Joe's in the bunker somewhere, and uh, I'm broadcasting from the little Garden of Eden. And we had a little freeze a while back, and it seems to have kicked butt out in the garden. But we'll see nature as a way of surviving and coming back. I saw a lot of neighbors wrapping blankets and everything in the world over their plants, and I just figure myself that What's meant to come back is going to come back, and it doesn't really matter what we do. Uh, before we get started tonight, uh, one of the things I wanted to tell some people, in case you've been looking for me on Facebook, is I uh, had to put that on hiatus for a little while. I was having a problem in this business. You make a lot of friends, and a lot of patients become part of your family. But when it comes to the doctor stuff, I have to keep it very professional and I have to make sure that we can communicate and get in touch with each other the best way consistently. And what happens is people were using Facebook Messenger to send me medical stuff and requests and questions. 
And the problem with that is you never know when each other are going to look at it. Very unprofessional. Um, I, I would ask people politely, you know, I don't use this. Please call me on the office phone. Some would. Some got offended and didn't call me. And it really bothered me. And I had some people that were texting me on my cell phone, but never during working hours. And I don't use my cell phone for my office anyway, but they would tell me, well, something happened during the day or something happened a week ago. And then they would text me when I'm having dinner or relaxing and having a beer or out with the family on the weekend and tell me, well, this came up during the day or during the week, but we decided to call you now. And uh, I try to tell them that I don't use the cell phone. Please don't do that. I'm going to miss your contact because I check it at lunch and after work. So anyway, you won't find me on Facebook right now because I, I had to stop um, too many insta- uh, too many Facebook Messenger things coming through, and uh, it, it just wasn't going off very professional. And I want the best for your health care, and I want the best in communication. So if you need to reach me, the office phone, I'm here all week long, every day, and it's 832-220-6163. If I miss your call, because it is a small office, I will call you back as soon as I can. And if it's after hours, weekends, holidays, unless it's an emergency, you'll hear from me the next workday. So anyway, um, without any further ado, we're going to get into some very interesting things tonight. And thanks to my partner, Joe, we've got an Excel spreadsheet to keep us on track a little better. Are you there, Joe? I am, Dave. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you. How are you doing? Um, well, thank you. Yeah, it's getting a little chilly over here, too. Hello, America, by the way. Sorry to exclude you there for a second. It's talking to Dave, talking to my doctor, talking to my good friend. Yeah, it's uh, about the same over here. It's about, yeah, I wouldn't say too cold. I haven't turned the heater on, but I can, I can definitely feel it in the air. It's nice. I like it. Yeah, well, we have that little freeze a while back seemed to beat up on my uh, garden a little. So the Garden of Eden looks a little bit beat up right now. Oh, boy. Did you lose a lot of lemons? I know you, the trees are, were pretty full. Did you a lot of they're stuff fall on the ground? Or? <laughs> yeah, they're not full anymore. Uh, <laughs> luckily, I did pick a, a few bags and put them in the freezer. So I do have some. But uh, we'll see what Mother Nature and the good Lord have in store because... I don't believe in wrapping everything and covering everything up. I'm pretty sure God has it figured out a little better than I can do with a blanket. So if it's supposed to be there, it'll come back. All right. Yeah, I noticed some of the uh, weeds died off at least uh, around where I am. It was good because some of that stuff, I don't know what's growing. Uh, Our neighbors have some strange plants, and they kind of hang over the fence. And uh, after they had them trimmed, it was I noticed a growth of uh, plants growing in my yard. So, but anyway, the freeze killed them, most of them anyway. But everything else is doing good. Everything else is well. So, you know, what are we talking about tonight, Dave? You've uh, done some research into uh, our uh, our Chinese medicines this week, I believe, right? Is that uh, what we got going on in there in that department? Well, yeah, and I think the big thing when you and I talked off air was with. Uh, all the new political stuff in the air about illegal immigration, we kind of felt like we we need to bring back up to people how important uh, it is about 
the illegal immigrants coming here to your help. That's something that nobody seems to be talking about. So that's on our agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about things like uh, what is it that place in Alaska, Gonkaga uh, or, or Gakana or something. I think it's Gakana, Alaska, where they have the uh, harp mm-hmm. and the effect of that on weather and our health. Yeah. Uh, what else did we have on here? I don't have your spreadsheet pulled up at the moment. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, we were talking about Chinese herbs, kind of recapping last week. I've got some uh, additional information on uh, the foods that we need to be aware of. Uh, the RFID, and I watched some amazing stuff on that, Dave. And, you know, it's uh, takes it even a step further than just, you know, harmful signals. Um, I don't know, we're, we're maybe sitting ducks <laughs> if we don't watch it. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, the diseases that are coming over from uh, from from the migrant uh, crisis. I, you know, crisis. That's I guess that's the right word for it right now because it's just so out of control. But uh, a lot of the diseases that are coming in, uh, you know, we we haven't seen them in 15, 20, maybe 40 years. So uh, oh, yeah, we are seeing a, an influx. What's that? Some of these things we've never seen. What? What Joe's talking about, everybody, is when a person lives in a certain area, there are things that are native to your area that your body adapts to, adjusts to, and builds up an immunity to. Well, one of the things that nobody's been talking about with illegal immigration, and we're not going to go into all the politics of what they need to do about it, but I want you to think about it from a health point of view, and that's what Joe and I have been talking about during the week, is these people bring with them things that are native from wherever they're at, but they're not native to you. And so what I've seen is in areas here like Houston where we do have a lot of immigrants, and most of them are not legal, uh, bringing lots of new kinds of flus and colds and different viruses and infections and things that people are fighting and they don't get rid of like they usually do. And then that's why I'm seeing them because stuff they thought would go away, not going away. A lot of respiratory stuff. And so what's happening, you've got these people coming here and they're exposed to things in their homeland that don't bother them anymore. But when they bring it to you, you're not exposed to it. You haven't been around it. So your body goes through this initial shock of dealing with whatever they brought from these other countries. And it's the same when you travel. Only this is coming to you illegally, so you can't even really know what all is coming because they're coming from all over the world through the southern border especially. And... It's just too much overwhelming for the body to fight back. Um, pretty much on the research, Joe, that you were looking into, you said something about you found some things on the CDC that they put out about this? Yeah, now that happened a couple of days ago, and it was basically right after Trump uh, took office. Uh, he sent some people down to the CDC in Atlanta. Apparently there was some uh, information that they were sitting on. And I know we've talked extensively about it, you know, the vaccinations, uh, you know, and the connection to autism. Well, these 
people now that were uh, you know had that information I think they're being called to task and um, hopefully uh, we'll get some resolution from that we, we mentioned RFK jr. was going to be uh, you know on his uh, cabinet and he's going to uh, approach that seriously finally and uh, you know, hopefully there's going to be some resolution to that you know at least uh, yeah. you know a stoppage to it well, well and this plays into all this stuff with the immigration because even if vaccines were good, even if different flu shots were good, which I, my personal opinion and experience over the years of seeing the reactions to people with these things, I would say, no, they're not, and I advise against them. As a, That's my personal opinion and a lot of it from experience. But like I tell patients all the time, these are things you have to make your own decision on. If you ask me what I would do, I would not get a flu shot. I would not get the vaccine. That's me. You have to make your own decision. But what's happening with these people coming here is there's so many from so many different places, and and they are sneaking across the border and blending in. And your government did something that I thought was pretty bad. They were taking people, refugees and illegal immigrants, and just putting them in communities, whether the states wanted it or not, and nobody was checking their health. Nobody knew what they were bringing with them. They couldn't give them enough free stuff fast enough, so they're coming here like crazy. And uh, I heard something very good today, Joe, that Donald Trump had said that people keep complaining that shutting down illegal immigration was bad for Mexico, but Mexico says they have such a terrible problem on their southern border that if the United States shuts down its southern border to illegal immigration, then their problem will get better because people won't be coming through Mexico trying to get here, which is good for everybody's health. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, now I remember when... Uh probably about two years ago when they had that massive flood and you saw the pictures of people coming over on trains. And I was kind of keeping up with that. When, you know, it's, it's tough when you're working 40, 50 hours a week at a regular job, you know. But uh, as I'd read, I'd see some of these uh, diseases that were coming back. And I had to research them because I hadn't heard some of these in a long time. Some of those returning diseases that uh, you're talking about, you know, tuberculosis, measles, whooping cough, mumps, scarlet fever, and bubonic plague. Now, Dave, I, I thought bubonic plague was eradicated, right? That was something that we haven't seen in a while, but I guess in some of these third world countries, uh, you know, still the conditions are so bad that this bacteria, this virus, uh, is able to thrive. And I think cutting off the borders is at least a good start in uh, at least Putting a putting a stop on it temporarily. I know they're they're going to still come over, and I know there's still going to be diseases. But the way that Obama and his administration was letting them in, that that wasn't right. That was just all political, and uh, I think as part of their plan to kind of destabilize the entirety of our of our country. And without our country, well, nobody's going to have anywhere to go. Those are some serious diseases. What uh, I think the serious, most serious one is that bubonic plague, because uh, that wiped out what a third of uh, Europe at one time. What was the history on that, Dave? Do you remember that one? Well, yeah, but that was in a time when the sanitation was terrible. you got to remember, a lot of people haven't learned from history. The Romans and the Greeks 
were fabulous with running water and sewers and all those kind of things long, long before many civilizations did them. And even in the modern era, when you've seen a lot of these things come through different parts of the world, it was because they populated them, moved people in, but they didn't bother to figure out the 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 running water and the sewer systems and do like the Romans. And so you had people packed like sardines on top of each other, and they didn't have much in the way of any kind of help or any kind of a health care provider. And so if somebody got sick, before they could do much about it, many people would die from a lot of things. Now, if it was drastic, it got titled a plague because it devastated many in many places. Uh, today, along with, and they'd like to tell you it's because of vaccines and shots and all that good stuff, but it's more to do with sanitation and good food practices and, and, and better health common sense. Uh, our Board of Health would probably condemn the Board of Health in a lot of those countries that still have those problems. Yeah, now that couple of things you mentioned there with uh, the water uh, as well, you know, we talked about the uh, the imports from China that we're getting and something I came across in that department, you know, they have different kinds of um, regulations for their plants and whatnot. And because it's such a big country, I suppose that they really haven't gotten that under control and, and whatnot. But some of these uh, farms uh, that they're using, you know, they're maybe in proximity to a uh, plastics plant or to a uh, pharmaceutical plant. So, you know, they'll let the water run off and it gets into the, into the water table and it gets absorbed into the plant. So we're starting to see some of that. Um, some of the other things that I'd mentioned last week, you know, with the, uh, like the fake green peas, you know, uh, they're doing some stuff that's just, as I read it, it's like, wow, they're just coming up with all sorts of crazy stuff to make some money. Well, they got uh, impersonation eggs now. Uh, it's basically made of uh, algenic acid, potassium, alum, gelatin, you know, nothing nothing natural. I mean, why don't you just get a, get a chicken? You know, why can't you just get a normal chicken? But uh, they go out of their way to uh, to do these things, and apparently, well, people have been, been uh, you know, long-term health effects from that. You remember back in the day, back in about 2004, they had uh, that fake baby formula, and the kids were growing up, and they had that big head disease. You remember that? Well, and they still have a lot of that. The, the formulas for most children, I, I looked at them a few years back, most of the baby formulas for the children were as synthetic as you could get. And some of them called themselves natural and organic and back then, and I checked the ingredients, and there wasn't any organic and natural stuff. I mean, they, they, the, maybe the cardboard box it came in or the plastic bottle that man-made was, you know, in some way naturally made, but... Uh, most of those most of those baby formulas were terrible stuff. There's a lot of drinks out there uh, that tell people, drink this and you'll get all your vitamins and minerals, and, and they did that with the kids and the adults. And if you look at the ingredients, and if you don't understand, this is where they get you. If you, if you don't understand ingredients and different forms of vitamins and minerals and trace minerals, 
then it looks good to you because it says it has vitamin C. It says it has vitamin E. But if you start looking at vitamin E and you see that it's tocopherols, those are the outer shell protecting in nature for the vitamin E complex. They're not vitamin E. And when you pull that out of a vitamin E source, we call that fractionated because it is no longer vitamin E. It's just a piece. It'd, like, it'd be like giving you a steering wheel and saying, here's your car, drive off. It doesn't work that way. So what's, what's happening now, like within China and North Korea and some of these countries, it's all about profit and what they could sell to the rest of the world. And the people are living in some really horrible conditions, working in horrible conditions, putting out products that are bad for the people they sell them to in the rest of the world. Plus, it's probably what they're forced to eat and drink working in those plants. So a lot of people are probably dying that we don't hear anything about from man-made health problems. That is amazing. You know, my heart goes out to those people in China. I know they're hardworking, and you know, I'm just talking about the little guy, like you and me, you know, just people trying to get by and do something productive in their life. You know, it's, uh, it's amazing some of the things that uh, they do. And, you know, the government does to their own people is just mind-boggling to me. Um, I think they have the worst, worst uh, human rights violations, well, close to Saudi Arabia, which... You know, there on the other hand, I mean, maybe we'll talk about that on another show. I was watching some stuff and uh, some hidden camera uh, footage in Saudi Arabia. And, you know, right off the glistening golden streets and uh, the roar of the Ferraris driving by, you know, uh, you've got people that are just living in absolute squalor. But they don't allow you to film over there. You know, it's against the law and you have to have special, um, you know, privileges to get in there and film it, and I understand why now. These people were risking their lives, basically, to show some of this footage, and, you know, more power to you guys, everybody that's, you know, looking for the truth, keep it up, you know, but getting back to China, you know, the, the baby formula was, was the was number two on there, that was the eggs, the baby formula, they're making beef out of pork, which they go through a process, and it's basically just, um, you know, putting it in a chemical and changing the color of it and somehow the taste of it, but, you know, basically, you know, eating this over time, it's a slow poisoning, you know, it's giving deformities and, uh, and causing cancer. Uh, of course, the tilapia, the farm-raised tilapia, I see those all over the place, but, uh, you know, those are some of the worst things probably to eat for you or, you know, for you to eat. You know, they eat anything, this tilapia, and, you know, the water conditions in China and just the overcrowding in the fish, you know, these are not healthy fish, and they're given all sorts of stuff that, just makes it uh, entirely toxic to you. I mentioned the fake green peas, which amazing to me. People come up with the craziest things. You know, it seems like it'd be easier just to grow some peas rather than go through the process of trying to, you know, uh, manufacture artificial peas. But I guess, uh, like you said, they're just about the money right now. The apple juice, you know, was this black pepper they're using. Uh, what was this? They had fake pepper, fake salt. They were using uh, the commercial grade salt and selling it as just table salt, and that stuff will kill you. Uh, garlic, yeah. plastic rice, you know, fake sweet potato noodles. It, it's all over the place. So when you go to the store, and basically, you know, we're not, we won't sit here and go through all of them, but, you know, those are the top ten you need to look out for when you're at the big box store and you're, and you're shopping. I know you got to, you know, fill up the freezer or whatnot, but try to look at some of these products, where they're coming from, and if it says made in China, I'd probably put it back and go for something 
the local. Well, and, and, and people need to, people need really look hard at supporting your local little neighbor rancher and farmer and dairy and and make sure they're doing the kind of things you want and support them because your wallet will do a lot of voting for you. One of the things the Chinese did a few years back, and I didn't find out till it was too late, there was some dog treats, uh, yeah. like jerky treats that were made in China. And uh, we were having some, a lot of people were having problems, but we had it in my home. And I know you guys are very familiar with it because your wife worked with the pets for a long time, Joe. Yeah, still does. Yeah, they were having these uh, dogs uh, look like they were having heart attacks or respiratory attacks, and they were dying uh, a lot shorter life than they should have had. And it turned out that it was the food in those treats from China, and they were made to look like they were made here in USA, and they had to crack down and, and ban them from bringing that stuff in the country. But the main thing, ladies and gentlemen, support your local places. Here in the Houston area, uh, I'm very fortunate. We have many people that have uh, raw milk, raw dairy products. There's Grauman Farms, which is just a few miles away from me, and they have all the all the meats and uh, cheeses and milk and kefir and probiotics and yogurts. They even uh, the lady over there at Grauman Farm, they make uh, some organic natural coffee, chocolate milk with raw milk, all kinds of skin products, soap, salt. I mean, it's just wonderful. And it's just a couple that started out trying to get their own kids healthy. Now they've turned it into a full-blown business, and they're helping the community. So look for that wherever you live, and be careful because it doesn't always have to have the stamp of organic. That's just the government involvement. If you know a rancher or farmer and they're doing it natural, <laughs> stick with them. They might not want to spend the money to get that government stamp. And, and one thing, I, I try to stay out of the politics on this show, but something that really sounded good is that with Trump and his administration, they're, they're telling all agencies to pretty well stand down and quit putting out a bunch of crap, quit giving everybody your opinion, like the EPA is going to have a lot of regulations put on hold. Because what happened is opinions, whether true or not, were becoming policy and being forced down people's throat. And it looks like things are going to get better. It looks like a lot of the phony stuff is going to be brought to light. I think things are going to get better for your health because we now have people that are looking at it, not politically, but what, as Trump said in his inauguration, given the people back the power in this country, which is good for your health. Mm. Well, let's take a break, and on the other side, we'll catch up with uh, all the unnatural ingredients in some of these uh, fantastic Chinese pharmaceuticals. What do you say? Yeah, we're getting ready at that time, ladies and gentlemen, to go to commercial break, so please listen to our sponsors. This is a Dr. Cooper's Natural Health Hour on AmericanVoiceRadio.com. We'll be right back.
I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different with all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added. Their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserve, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Dr. Krupa's Natural Health Hour, joined with my co-host Joe Lawrence, and we are on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, 1-800-932-1980 if you'd like to be on air, 
Uh, and if you just got suggestions or comments, you can call in, and Frank will be there to help you. Uh, we were talking about supporting your local ranchers and farmers and dairies, and as Joe pointed out, it's a really good thing in the stores. If it says made in China and it's food, you know, use your own judgment. I personally won't buy that stuff. Uh, there's times where we miss, miss it and you may end up with something you didn't mean to buy or you didn't check it close enough. I spend a lot of time looking at ingredients when I buy things and uh, that'll help you a lot, but you've got to learn things about what is natural, what's not, and that's what we're trying to do on the show. So if you see, like, give you an example, most all vitamins and mineral supplements that you can buy just about anywhere, no matter what they tell you, are mostly synthetic fractionated junk. There are only a few companies and standard process and many herbs that I deal with are two of the finest in the world that truly understand natural whole food supplements. And they only deal with doctors. They can make a lot more money just selling on the open market. But your health means a lot to them, and they want to make sure you have a doctor helping you with that. So um, what else did you find, Joe, on your uh, research with China, we talked a little bit about a lot of their herbal stuff coming over here that's not what it used to be a long time ago. Yeah, no, that uh, was kind of startling, really, some of that information. So what is in your traditional Chinese medicine? And uh, I try to, you know, of course, touch as many samples uh, or, or get as many uh, insights into this as I could, but uh, this is coming from Australia right now as, as one of them. Um, according to them, a, uh, an analysis of 26 products found 92% were contaminated with heavy metals, undeclared plants, pharmaceuticals, or even animals like the endangered snow leopard, cat, dog, rat, and pit viper. Doesn't sound good, does it, Dave? Not what I would put on my plate. And you have to understand that this is why I deal with companies like Standard Process and Mediherb, because even though these two companies work together, they're not the same company. Um, Mediherb is in Australia, and Standard Process is up in Palmyra, Wisconsin. But the two companies are so tough at making sure that you get the most natural, the best of the best, that when they ship products to each other, they check it like it came from a stranger, and they don't pull any punches. It's going to meet their requirements or they don't deal with it. And they've found many things that the Chinese tried to sell that had the right name, and this is where people get in trouble. They go into the store, and they pick up a bottle of something because they heard that this name of whatever it is is good for you. Well, it might be true that the name of this particular product is good for you, but if it's not natural, if it's been sprayed with pesticides and synthetic fertilizer and used poison water, then guess what? The plants are only as good as what they came from and what how they were raised. And consequently, that poison's passed on to everybody else. There's no telling how much bad food is out there. And then to make it worse, we've got the GMO world out there trying to manufacture and play God. 
you know, they are uh, acting exactly like that, Dave. And what you mentioned there, you know, was something I mentioned probably just a couple minutes ago, you know, the waste from the pharmaceutical plants in China. You know, they're pr promoting this antibiotic-resistant superbug. Not that we're going to go take a bunch of antibiotics, but still it's, um, you know, affecting what, what we're uh, what we're eating so you got to be real careful and i enjoy standard process and you know ever since i came to you and you've been you know giving us i have seen tremendous uh results from that you know not only myself personally uh but in my wife and uh, eventually i think you know I, we've even used it on one of the animals before that had an upset stomach he gave us a product and it worked great so yeah you know Standard Process is, is a great American company, and they have been around for, what, close to close to 100 years now, Dave, huh? They started in the 1920s. Now, that's a pretty well-established track record. Yeah, and they were started by a doctor, and his specialty was nutritional health care, and, and so it's really important to him. And um, I wanted to give a shout-out. Uh, our good buddy, Doc Green, who's also got a show here on the American Voice Network, um, he stopped by and helped me fine-tune my mixer the other day. Uh, when Joe and I get together, we try to do that, but uh, and Joe's got definitely more experience in messing with this kind of stuff than me. But uh, Doc Green, this, the mixer that I have was his old mixer that I bought from him a couple years back, and so he knew it in his sleep. And he came in and helped me fine-tune it. And then Frank on the other end has been letting us know when the microphones, which microphones sound better and when the sound is better. And tonight he just told me that um, the microphone sounded good for us, Joe, so we're doing good there. And I have two matching microphones now in the studio, so it's the same style, uh, a little better quality than the one that I had that they were telling me had bad sound on. So wanted to say thank you to them and our buddy Steve O'Brien helped a little bit on that so been a good group effort getting my mixer back up to uh, full throttle here so we can talk to you about this stuff and back on the Chinese stuff years ago there was a lot of wonderful Chinese herbal doctors who knew a lot of things and used the best of the best but I don't think they lived in the communist style governments of today and I think they were allowed the freedom to do things right and they're not doing that today and like Joe mentioned on the tilapia fish anything farm raised I don't care what it is when they raise it in a farm and they throw that crap food and stuff in the water that's not a natural thing that's not good for you and your body does know the difference Maybe they're trying to get even with us, Dave. I mean, we've enjoyed their, you know, cheap products for years, and now they're just trying to catch up with us. But, you know, they got a lot of a lot of great history over there. You know, like I said, the little people, not so much the government. But, uh, you know, you see, you know, present-day China, and they've got, you know, cities that are just sitting there empty. And, you know, they've got people in different parts of their country that are just living in absolute squalor in some of the worst conditions. I understand, you know, you got to maybe trying to catch up. Hopefully there's no vindictiveness there. I mean, I don't hold any animosity towards the Chinese people. I just, you know, we, we need to just all come together and get better products out there. It's not about making money, people. But, um, yeah, some of the stuff, as I'm reading this and you're looking here, uh, looking at some of this stuff, you know, these, these heavy metals, I mean, they accumulate in your body pretty quick. And, 
if you don't know it, I mean, you're, you're already at that point where you're, you're sick, you have a cancer or some abnormal growth, and it's maybe too late. So stop what you're doing, look at what you're eating, and uh, talk to people like Dave. And, and that's why I'm here. I mean, I'm not uh, an expert on anything. I barely know a little bit enough to get through the day. Uh, you know, Dave is the doctor. Dave is the one with the knowledge. And that's why I work with him because, like I said, in the past, he's helped me tremendously. And I probably wouldn't even be here had it not been for, for Dr. Krupa. So, again, thanks to you, Dave. And you've got a wonderful circle of friends. Doc Green, look forward to meeting him sometime next week. I might might uh, get out of the bunker next week, Dave, and, uh, and get some fresh air and, uh, <laughs> and take a trip over there. But uh, we'll see. I mean, it's a week away. There's a lot of stuff going on in the in the world. I mean, um, I know Trump has taken office and, and whatnot. And, 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 you know, forgive me for getting pol uh, political, but, you know, politics affect everything in our life. And unfortunately, they've affected our health for the last eight years because this uh, previous administration, uh, you know, they just laid the regulations on hot and heavy. And then I remember them going after the little dairy farmers, showing up with guns pointed, you know, because he was making uh, some cheese or something like that. It's just insane. Hopefully that's going to stop. But let me ask you this. What do you think are uh, Trump's biggest challenges, you know, in the next, uh, in his first 100 days? I know the, the immigration crisis is one of them. Um, hopefully some of these, knock out some of these regulations. And, uh, but what do you think, Dave, are some of his biggest challenges now in, in relation to health care? Well, well I, I think one giant thing is these sanctuary cities. They've been a breeding factory for all kinds of this disease and problems because they're protecting all these illegals and acting like they're going to violate the law. I heard uh, that uh, Chicago Mayor Rahman, or what's his name? Um, Rahm Emanuel. Uh, yeah, Rahm Emanuel uh, today say that the illegals were safe and going to be protected in his city. And one of the news people said it's very clear that he feels he needs their vote. And they're letting these people vote and then pretending like there's no voting problem. So the politics is affecting the health, and it's very sad. And another thing is stress. I can't imagine the stress level that Donald Trump's gone through. Just getting through the election and all of his people um, – I hope he's getting some good night's sleep and, and he stays healthy. I, I wish they'd let me come take care of him and be his doctor because I'd make sure he stayed healthy. But the stress levels that him and the average person go through are terrible, but at that level I can't even imagine what kind of stress. I mean, uh, I hope they're keeping good scotch on tap for him and uh, and get, making sure he gets a good night's sleep and but if, if they don't deal with the sanctuary cities and the illegal immigration, uh, the health of the nation is going to be a real bad. Because you could bring in, as you mentioned, uh, different plagues, Joe. You could bring in something across the border and wipe out many because they're not exposed to it, they're not used to it, and that initial exposure could damage a lot of, lot of lives before it could be stopped. And also he's got to crack down on uh, bringing in all these uh, refugees, which makes no sense at all. They ought to be working on the, you know, the fixing it where they could stay in their own world, shipping them all the way around the world. It makes no sense. And for their health, 
their stress and what they bring with them is bad for us. And on the other side of that coin, if you're an illegal immigrant or a refugee and you come here, you're going to get exposed to all the things you're not used to, and it could be devastating for them. Yeah, and if you look at Europe and uh, what's happened in France, what's happened uh, in Britain, uh, Germany, I mean, the migrant crisis over there, and I remember seeing the images when they were first coming in, and uh, they had the R, uh, the FLIR, you know, the, the thermal imaging, and you could see the line of people coming in the, in the dark. And I mean, it, it didn't look like people that were seeking sanctuary. It looked like an invading army. And, you know, we've got a lot of history in our country. You know, you remember the Marine uh, hymn, you know, from the, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. You know, we've been fighting this battle for a long time. And it's not, well, you know, they need a safe place. I mean, okay fix your own country and, uh, you know, make it a better place, but don't come and spread your idealism and your ideology, you know, and your incredible, insanely incredible laws, uh, you know, over here and expect that, you know, to get away with them. I hope now he's going to put a stop to that. And I think he really needs to look at some of these uh, organizations that are here in this country, you know, promoting that idealism, that uh, radical civilization, jihad. You know, some of those, they need to flip the uh, um, the rating on them because I think they were not uh, deemed a terrorist organization here in this country. Uh, was it CARE, C-A-I-R, the Council for uh, uh, American Islamic Relations or whatever? That's just a front for Muslim Brotherhood. As you know, Muslim Brotherhood is a terrorist organization in Egypt. You remember that whole uh, fiasco over there and how Obama was supporting that. And, you know, I know we've got these infiltrators here in our own government now, and I hope Trump really makes it a point to go after these. I know uh, Rudy Giuliani had uh, put something when he was still mayor, you know, to, to get this Muslim Brotherhood back on the terrorist watch list because of, apparently Obama had taken them off and he was helping them, uh, you know, behind the scenes. We know about ISIS, how they're helping ISIS in Syria and, and the creation of that and making them, you know, who they are now. So hopefully he'll do, he'll do that and, and put a stop to that because to me, that, that's probably one of the biggest threats right now to uh, the sovereignty of this country and then, you know, to every American because, you know, we don't, if we don't know what's going on, you know, we don't talk about it, well, it's going to be too late by the time you wake up and realize, oh, we got a problem. Yeah. We well, and see. you know, if they'd have brought a bunch of them immigrants, legal or otherwise, and refugees and dumped them all around the Washington, D.C. area, and people started getting sick and having the problems the rest of the countries had, I don't think the Obama administration would have been doing that. But they were—they were worried enough about their health to protect that small area around the D.C. and spread all these people all around the country. And I think that's why we're seeing so many new diseases and sicknesses. And like I said, it works both ways. They come here. And for some reason, our government gives away everything to them. Uh, if you and I went to another country, first off, they're going to check your health. Secondly, they're going to make sure you do it legally or you're not going to be there. They'll throw you in one of their jails. But you're not going to be allowed to just go wherever and get all this free stuff from their government. They don't tolerate that. Yeah, we did it here, and I think that we, they were looking at the politics and hoping for votes. But I'm concerned about the health that if you bring all these people from all these places in the world, 
what are we exposing our families and neighbors and children to? And and also they're getting exposed to it. So you could see some devastating illnesses. And what they love to say on the the, the CDC and, and all the pharmaceutical side of medicine is it's idiopathic, which means they don't know what caused it. But we have some pretty good ideas what caused some of this. And you got to watch out for America first, like Trump said, and make sure America's healthy and take care of your neighbors. And then we can worry about the rest of the world if they need our help. But right now, we're not in very good shape, and there's a lot of bad stuff going on. If we quit spending money on dropping bombs on all these countries and, uh, and got the bankers out of those countries, release that stranglehold that they have on these, you know, smaller countries that don't have the um, assembly of people to fight against it. You know, if we could fix that problem, well, they'd have a place to go. And, uh, you know, anyway, but, you know, as Dex asked the question, Dave, you know, with all these people coming in, I mean, are they ever going to go home? Will they ever return to their country? I mean, I'd want to go back to my country and rebuild it. I mean, where, where, where's the, you know, love for their own country? Is that, uh, is that non-existent or just curious? Well, I don't know. Now, one thing that I have noticed, and I don't understand this at all, if you didn't like where you were, so you come here, why do they come here and immediately try to make here like where they left? They'll they'll tell you we were starving and and we were sick and, and it was run down. And then they come here and they try to instill that same society here. And if left to their own accord, pretty soon we'd be sick and and run down and and famine and misery and war torn. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on, but from a health point of view, if it's if it's so bad where you left, don't try to make it like that when you get here, because you'll bring the same health issues that were bad where you left your country. And I and I think you're right, Joe. I think they get here, and the government gives them... I mean, if, if you were in need, you're not going to get anything. But if you come from some other country, you get everything. And if, and if you think about leaving, they've made it so good, why would you want to go back? Yeah, I, I don't understand that. And, you know, our veterans, you know, they treat them like garbage. You know, they've got to beg for service. They've got to you know, wait in line forever, probably until they, you know, got to the point where they can't even be held. But, uh, yeah, if, if you come over the border, yeah, the minute you do, you get everything you need. But uh, they'll treat our own native uh, sons and daughters like uh, like their secondhand trash. It's amazing to me. And it amazes me, too, you know, I was watching some of the, the footage, uh, you know, all this fighting over in Syria. You know, the men have fled. But you find some of the women have stayed and uh, and are actually picking up arms and fighting. So what kind of cowardism, uh, you know, are are we seeing? I, I don't think that would happen here in, in this country. I think every red-blooded American son and daughter would would pick up arms and and, and fight against an invading uh, enemy like that. But these guys are just up and running and uh, coming over here because I guess they don't want to do anything. And I think that was part of the problem last week. I know I got a little fired up with all the protesters and whatnot getting out there, but. Uh, you know, I think it boils down to they just don't want to work, Dave. They, you know, they want the government to take care of them. They want the state to provide everything that they possibly need in their lifetime. 
And, uh, you know, they don't want to go through the trials and tribulations of what it takes to make, you know, uh, something productive in your life. You know, they, they don't have the ideas and the vision to, to be productive and to be helpful and to do things that are just good for this country. Amazes me. So I apologize if I got a little fired up last week. I, I, it, was, it was a close call. Uh, I could have gone either way. But uh, I understand they did lock up a lot of those protesters and uh, get some of those cats that were planning on tearing things apart. I mean, that's, that's good to hear. And I know Trump, he, he's showing what he said, you know. He's doing what he's been, uh, been talking about. Put a clamp you down know, on the Obamacare and uh, going after some of these criminals. Yeah, I was listening to some of those protesters when they were interviewed, and they were talking about health and Obamacare and all these things. And I don't think any of them made any sense because everything any of them said was bad during the last eight years. And right now, what I'm hearing from Trump and his people, there's a lot of potential for some real good. Let's give him a chance and see what happens. I mean, if he lets you down, he lets you down, but he at least deserves a chance because we know the last eight years were hell. They acted like we gave insurance to 20 million people. No, what you did was you gave some freebie crap to people who you thought would vote for you and then tried to punish the rest of America and even fine them with the IRS if they didn't buy the insurance to pay for somebody who was getting freebies. That's well, that's insane. not healthy. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely what? insane. And then he lied about it and lied about it. And I think it was he on record 21 different times for lying about you know, uh, the whole thing, you can keep your doctor and, and all that stuff. And they knew well before they even passed that legislation that it was it was a pile of junk. And um, it was bad, bad for it bad business. Bad. And, and the protesters were protesting like the last eight years had been good to them, but it hadn't been. And almost all the complaints I heard them say were due to the last eight years. So not giving Trump a chance really blows my mind because I think that he's got us on the right track, at least from what I've heard, to put the health of this country first and get people back to where there are good programs. One of the big things from the from the medical side is that I've always said you need to let these insurance companies cross state lines and compete. And when they do, you get better prices and better products and better service. But under the Obama administration, they weren't allowed to cross state lines. And it appeared to me that they were trying to force these insurance companies out of business so they could come back and tell people, see, your government is here for you. Those evil insurance companies left you, but we're here. And oh, by the way, you need to come up with $9,500 next year to pay for your deductible. That's insane. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you all for being with us. It is a true privilege and an honor to be part of your week, and we hope that we've helped you make better decisions, especially in the natural health care world. We want you to be able to as the song says at the beginning of the show, whatever condition your condition is in, that we help make it a little better. So thank you all very much. May God bless you with health and happiness. Please don't be so busy worrying about tomorrow that you can't enjoy today. And hopefully we will 
be here, God willing, next week. Uh, thanks to my co-host Joe and Frank, our producer and the owner of the station. This is Dr. Krupa's Natural Health Hour on AmericaBroadcasting.com. 1-800-932-1980. Please tune in and listen to the show anytime. That uh, Our show is re repeated several times during the week, and you can always go into the archives. And uh, we have many, many great shows on this network. Frank does a few great shows of his own, and uh, there's a lot of talent, a lot of good people. Our buddy Doc Green's on here. So please tune in, go to the website and donate if you like. We really appreciate it. So good night, everybody. Thank you very much. Good night, America. Seems the love I've known has always been the most destructive kind. Guess that's why now I feel so old before my time. Yesterday, when I was young, the taste of life was sweet as rain upon my tongue. I teased at life as if it were a foolish game. The way the evening breeze may tease a candle flame, the thousand dreams I dreamed, the splendid things I planned, I always built to last. Shun the naked light of day And only now I see How the years ran away Yesterday When I was young The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement.
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called, and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time.
Good evening, and welcome to America Betrayed. Well, uh, tonight we're going to have some really good news uh, for you. Uh, I know, I think most of you know that uh, Trump said he's going to build the wall. Well, we've got the exclusive on this. He, the wall has already been started. Uh, not have somebody have somebody down there right now uh, checking on it, and. Um, uh, later tonight, I'll find out exactly who's uh, financing it, which uh, the word, the initial word I got is going to be uh, uh, startling if it's that person I, who I think it is. Now, on tonight's show, if you'd like to call in, uh, toll-free number is 800-932-1980. And also, uh, don't forget to go to nationalwriterssyndicate.com. You can uh, listen to us here on AVR, American Voice Radio Network, where you always hear the truth not the garbage that the mainstream media puts out. And on National Writers Syndicate, uh, you'll read the truth. And there's a lot of articles that I've written on there. If you go there, you check them out. Plus, there's a preview of uh, each show each week before the show. Um, check that out. Also, I have a couple of books out. One is uh, Dead Angel. Uh, it's about growing up with Jerry Garcia from children uh, when we were five and six years old until he um, fortunately passed away. And the other, Posan, is about my alien encounter that went on for 10 years. Uh, they're both on Amazon.com. Check them out. Uh, uh, a lot of people that have read Posan feel it's the, the scariest book they've ever read. Uh, read it, but I know what I went through for 10 years. I uh, lived in sheer terror on that one. But uh, check that out. Don't forget now, uh, there are certain uh, uh, businesses that are uh, uh, boycotting. One is uh, Fake News CNN, also MSNBC. Also, um, we have Dasani. He wants to bring in millions of uh, uh, Muslims. Now, people keep saying, well, why don't you like Muslims? Well, it's not that we don't like Muslims. It's Muslims don't like us or anybody other than uh, Muslims or somebody uh, following the Quran. Because in the Quran, it says that we are infidels and we're either to be converted to Islam or killed. There is no in-between. So they can't coexist in this uh, uh, society. They just can't. And I just don't understand why they would come here when all they do is complain about it and want to change our uh, uh, laws and everything. Why don't they go to their own Muslim countries where they'll be happy? I mean, we don't uh, turn down what now Trump initially said he's going to ban all Muslims, but he just changed today and said he's going to make it seven countries that are prone to terrorism. Um, so those uh, seven countries are going to be even with visas. They're not going to be uh, welcome here, which I uh, don't blame them. Um, now, they keep uh, the Democrats keep stalling uh, with uh, uh, Sessions as attorney general. We need an attorney general in there. Uh, we have um, a Mad Dog Mattis. Uh, Mad Dog Mattis, uh, you know, quite a name. I mean, it's almost like a comic, comic book um, uh, person, you know, Mad Dog to the rescue. Uh, but so far, from what they've told us, is that he's uh, made 31 attacks and killed one of the top ISIS leaders. Uh, there. Now, I don't know who formed uh, ISIS. I mean, there's talk that it was uh, uh, Hillary, that it was Obama, it was uh, Israel, it was, uh, you know, so many different uh, uh, 
people that uh, form ISIS. The, the problem is, I mean, these are really bad people. And they put people in cages and, and set them on fire and drown them. Um, I mean, what, what's wrong with humans? Um, you know, we've got one planet. We're all going to die. Well, most of you are anyway. And we're going to the same place. Well, some of you go in the same place. Some are going to others. But what's what's the big deal? I mean, why can't we all get together and say, hey, you know, enough of this. We only got this one little planet to live on. Come up and use all the resources we have, the ingenuity, the brain power. There shouldn't be one starving child on this planet with the technology we have. But... Um, I, I don't know. It, it just seems, um, you know, I'm getting up there in age and seen quite a bit. I was hoping that maybe if I reached this year, you know, 2017, uh, that seemed like, you know, the future with spaceships and everything. Uh, you know, when I was, you know, 40 years ago, that was really out there. But uh, nothing's really changed. And like I said, we have the technology. So let's get together and try to work this out. And I hope Trump is legitimate. I mean, if he is legitimate, he's doing things, to get, uh, I think, to get this country back on the correct path. There are a lot of people that think he's not. But the only people that would fall for Hillary or these others are moochers. People want something for nothing, and that's what the communists do. There are 50 or 60 members of the Democratic Party in Congress who are members of the uh, Cong uh, Com Communist Party, which is illegal. It's illegal for a Muslim to hold office. Everything has just gone topsy-turvy. And again, it's because they their goal is to kill us, period. And as far as illegal... Aliens from Mexico, I know when I was interviewed by Mexican TV many years ago, they why are you picking on the Mexicans? I said, well, because there's more of them. I mean, it's, it's the accessibility, you just walk across the border and, and voila, you got uh, free money, you got uh, free health care, you got uh, everything else, which my parents couldn't get, I couldn't get, and I don't think many of you could get. So I, that's how I got involved. I go, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this whole picture. They're illegal, but they're get, being rewarded, and they're killing out there killing Americans, and nobody does anything about it. There's something wrong with this picture. Illegal means illegal, but yet they try to say they're undocumented. Well, I have a T-shirt that says I'm an undocumented brain surgeon. I don't think you want me to uh, commit brain surgery on you. And they want to take away the word illegal and call them immigrants. They're not immigrants. My wife is an immigrant. They're not immigrants. We had to pay thousands of dollars to get her from Venezuela. Meanwhile, it's like these people are just jumping in front of line. I was like standing at the bank and 20 people jumping in front of you. You wouldn't like it, would you? Or they come into your house and just raid your refrigerator, steal everything in your house. Well, that's what they're doing. Now, the Mexican government pushes them because they're receiving all this money back uh, to Mexico. And it also gets them out of the country. Uh, the white-skinned Mexicans always 
call us the racist, but they're the racist because they don't want the dark-skinned Mexicans, uh, the, you know, the original uh, Mexicans. So they keep pushing them up here. They want to keep them up here to keep from a revolution uh, going on. But there's a possibility there may be a re revolution coming up in Mexico because uh, now they're giving the shaft to the people down there by charging them extra 20% for their gas, toll roads, and everything else, which they weren't for a while. The Mexican government owns the gas stations down there, for you that don't know that. And I've spent a, uh, a lot of time down there. I used to spend a lot of time when I lived in California, but the last time I spent was last year doing a documentary film on on the water crisis, uh, the water drought, which is very serious, especially in California. I mean, people in California think because of the rain uh, that they have right now that uh, it's all over. It's not because there's no aquifer. It's going to take a heck of a lot more than that uh, coming on. Um, but uh, again, uh, you know, when uh, immigrants that came into this country uh, uh, that made this country great, um, they were proud to become an American, learn English, and and uh, blend in. But now they don't. But tonight, uh, very fortunate. Instead of talking politics, uh, I'm going to get into an evening of music. Uh, for a while there, I was producing uh, concerts, and um, I met a couple of gentlemen uh, in in the music business who I feel I've known them for many years now, um, who are two really class acts and probably two of the top musicians in the business, uh, one a keyboardist and another a drummer. I've known a number of drummers. Uh, Artemis Pyle was a friend of mine from uh, Leonard Skinner, but uh, the drummer that we have tonight, I think, surpasses him. So, but, uh, and they're not into drugs. I mean, most of the you know, people think that all the musicians take drugs, they don't, as far as I know, they don't. But uh, like I said, they really helped me out. Randy Forrester is one. Randy Forrester uh, started out with Elvin Bishop. In fact, that's where these two met was uh, with Elvin Bishop about 30 years ago. No, not really. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I forgot. You're only uh, 40 years old, right? Okay. Um, oh, my God. And... Um, they uh, both really helped uh, quite a bit. Uh, What's the drummer's name? <laughs> oh, D Donnie Baldwin. Yeah, he is. Are you sure? Yeah, Donnie, Donnie Baldwin and Randy Forrester. We're going to be playing a couple of their tunes uh, at break time. Uh -huh. Yeah, see how you like it. Uh, Randy, uh, I know we had a uh, gig in San Francisco when I was doing a book signing for uh, Dead Angel, the one about growing up with Jerry Garcia. And uh, Randy... Uh, sang and and um, Bill Graham's ex-girlfriend was there and she goes I didn't know Randy knew how to sing and I said yeah he sure does you're going to hear how well he can sing and you're going to hear how well uh, Donnie Baldwin plays drums and also does uh, uh, vocals uh, both very good uh, Donnie how did you two meet now R Randy says it wasn't uh, uh, with Elvin uh, uh, Bishop who was it you know, <laughs> you're asking me to go way back when we were doing all kinds of stupid things and, and actually having a lot of fun, I don't know. I mean, I can't really, you know, be specific on one moment. It was just a a time where everybody was hanging out, you know, back in the mid-'70s, late-'70s. Um, I was doing Elvin Bishop. I, got, I think I got with Elvin in 72. 
and uh, played with Elvin all, almost all the way up to, to uh, from the end of 79 going into 80. But uh, as far as where we met and what time it was, I don't know. We've known each other basically all our lives. <laughs> where, where did you grow up? Johnny played with Elvin before I was in Elvin's band. Okay. Where did where did you grow up, Donnie? I grew up in the Bay Area, down on the peninsula, and then I moved up to Marin County and did about 20 years in Marin County and San Rafael and all throughout the uh, kind of the North Bay. How about you, Randy? Where did you grow up? Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> Memphis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great barbecue, right? The best. Yeah. So when did you move out to California and why? Well, I think the why is pretty obvious. I was in the music business and needed to get the hell out of the South. Nothing was happening there except Nashville, and I'm, that's not my thing, you know. Right. I moved out in the early 80s and connected with Elvin pretty quick. It was a couple of years after that that I started running into Donnie, and then we Donnie and I have just played together in a million different live performance configurations, and on he's my go-to drummer whenever I go into the studio. Yeah, always it's not, has been for 25, 30 years now. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, somebody, I, somebody remembers. You know, I mean, I knew it was sometimes in the mid seventies, late seventies. So I was. Well, after I take this next hit of legal weed, <laughs> it might become a little more cloudy. I forgot to mention uh, that uh, you, uh, Randy, you started with Alvin Bishop, and then you were with Eddie Money for about 10 years, wasn't it? 10 or 11 years, you know, and actually Donnie came in there and played with us a year or two and then went back to the Starship. Yeah. Well, in all the years uh, that you've played, first uh, you, Donnie, uh, who do you think is uh, uh, your idol in the, in the music business, um, either with drumming or just the music business itself? Who do you think really stood out with you? That you've played with. Um, I don't know about idols. I mean, I've, I've really played with a lot of different people, and, and it was all different types of levels of of enjoying somebody's company musically. I mean, um, I, I was playing with Van Morrison a little bit. I played with him. Um, uh, I played with Jerry Garcia for a couple of years. Uh, he was amazing. Um, Grace Flick was one of a kind. Um, in fact, I just spent a couple of days with her when I was down in L.A. staying with Randy, and she lives about five minutes from Randy's house, so I went over and, and hung with Grace, and uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, there, there's so many people that were enjoyable as far as any idols. I really don't have any, any musical idols. I mean, I loved Hendrix. I loved I love Paul Rogers' voice, um, but nothing nothing to do with anybody that I looked up to as an idol. I, I kind of had a full menu of, of people that I loved to listen to and hopefully got a chance to play with. So it was, a, you know, we've, Randy and I have been doing this stuff for about 45 years, so it's mm. there's a lot of people out there that we've both played with, and I'm sure there's a lot of people, and Randy would agree, that we had a great time playing with, and there's probably some people out there we wish we would have never played with. Yeah. How, about, how about you, Randy? What was your inspiration to become a keyboardist? And like I said uh, at the beginning of the show, I, I think you're one of the top keyboardists that I've ever seen. I appreciate and, uh, that, John. Uh, I mean, 
music became my life when my big sister brought home Meet the Beatles way back in 63. I played guitar and sang through high school and college. And she took, my sister took piano lessons, and so we had a piano in the house, and I kind of taught myself that instrument. And being in Memphis, Tennessee, where there's great guitar players on every corner and only three keyboard players to suck up all the gigs, I became a keyboard player. <laughs> um, sure, a lot of people are sure glad you did because, like you said, you really know how to uh, burn it up there. You, I remember uh, also, Donnie, you were with uh, Lydia Pence and Cold Blood for a while, weren't you? Still, yeah, I actually, actually, I still am when I can. I mean, I'm doing a show with her tomorrow night over in Berkeley at a, an old coffee shop that they kind of revamped and made it into a small kind of theater. It's called the Freight and Salvage, which is a cool place to hang over in Berkeley. Um, and I've been doing Lydia probably since the early 90s. Uh, I went with Garcia for a while and, and kind of put Lydia on the back burner, of course. And uh, we've always stayed really close. Uh, there's been a lot of different faces in that band. And basically, Lydia is really the only original member um, uh, now that I play with her, there was a couple of original members when I first got in the band in the early 90s. But, uh, yeah, she's fun to play with. We have a great time. I love that style of music. I love R&B. I love funky stuff. And and, uh, and then on the other side of it, I, I, I do a lot of other things. And, you know, my main, main groove and main gig is, of course, the Jefferson Starship that I did through the 80s and actually came back in 04, to sub for Prairie, Prairie Prince, who was playing drums for the Jefferson Starship, and Prairie wanted some subs, and I came in and subbed, and Paul Cantner and David Freiberg were, were still there, and of course, Grace retired, and Marty Bowen would come in once in a while, and some of the original guys would show up once in a while, but uh, I don't know, uh, Lydia's just, uh, she keeps calling me, and I keep going back and having a great time when I can. Yeah, I remember when I did the concert with her out in Point Reyes, um, I was in the trailer backstage, and I asked, I was talking to her manager, and I said, when is Lydia going to show up? She says she's standing right next to you. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. God, I used to live out in Point Reyes. I loved it out there. It's beautiful. Yeah, be beautiful country. We're coming up on yeah. uh, break here, guys. Uh, we're going to play a couple of your tunes. Uh, first one's going to be uh, uh, Randy's uh, when he was with uh, Eddie Money. Uh, I think you enjoyed it. And the second one uh, is when uh, 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 Donnie was with uh, Starship. I think you enjoyed that one also. And then we'll end with one at the end of the show. What's what uh, with Eddie Money? Uh, well, no, it's not Eddie Money. It's uh, uh, the name of it, uh, the group. It's Eddie Money's song, Baby Hold On. Yeah, that's the name droppers. That's me and Donnie and a bunch of our brothers and a little project we were doing on the side. Yeah, name droppers. Okay, I got it mixed up with Eddie Money because, that, you know, that's... Okay, well, it's an people. Eddie Money song, but it doesn't right. sound anything like Eddie Money. No, I think it sounds better. I hope he's not listening, but that's right. I hope okay. he is. <laughs> All right, so uh, like I said, we're coming up on break, and uh, we're going to listen to uh, Randy first, and then, uh, uh, then we're going to be listening to Donnie's. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, why don't you give your websites, uh, if you have any, um, before we uh, go to break. Randy, you got one? RandyForresterMusic.com. Okay, Donnie? No, I, I, don't, I don't have a website. I have okay. a, 
a stop sign out in front of my house with my name. <laughs> okay. Okay, we're going up on break. You can go to jeffersonstarship.com yeah, yeah, to find out anything yeah, you need to do about Donnie, yeah, you know. Starship.net. Okay, here. You need to find out something. There it is. Here comes uh, Randy, and see you right after the break.
the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
Well, there's Drummond for you. And there, I think you heard Randy saying that I think it's better than any money. I hope you feel the same way. If you'd like to uh, call in, the toll-free number is 800-932-1980. Again, 800-932-1980. Uh, call in. Um, also, uh, my co-host, uh, Frank, has a couple of questions for you guys. Uh, Frank. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, who you got a question for, Donnie or Well, actually, actually both, because it, it applies, because it's just a general question, you know, one of these things that you wonder. Because I've been to a whole bunch of concerts and, uh, you know, uh, sitting and watching concerts. You know, I have my favorite places that I'd like I liked to see a concert and places that really weren't all that great. And I'm wondering from, from their perspective of being the uh, musicians, uh-oh. Oh no! Sounds like we lost them. Hmm. We'll see here. I'm here. Okay, I've got to I've got to fix that, John. So go ahead and talk. Okay. Yeah, they were just uh, asking uh, who's still on. Donnie and Randy both. Hello. Randy, you there? Donnie, are you there? Well, we've got a malfunction here. Well, we should be right back. I hope you can hear me. They're disconnected somehow on the phone line. Next week, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the severe drought in California, uh, Arizona, uh, Mexico. Uh, the Colorado River supplies about 6 million uh, Mexicans in northern uh, Baja uh, water. Uh, the problem with um, <clears throat> the water there, even though you have a lot of rain out there in California now and snow, there's, there's no aquifer. And it's going to take a lot. Uh, the land is sinking in the San Joaquin Valley at least two feet a year. Uh, we heard uh, anywhere from two to three feet a year. So uh, when it rains a lot, all that's going to happen is the weeds and grasses are going to grow higher. And then when the summer comes and the fires, it's just going to have bigger fires. Uh, supposedly, the Colorado River is going to dry up in about two years. I know friends of mine can walk across the Colorado uh, in certain places, I think, uh, uh, further up. But uh, I think something like this happened a thousand years ago, and it was a hundred-year drought, and that may have been what happened to the Mayans and the Aztecs, and I mean partially due. They they had warfare also. <clears throat> That's what they just found out fairly recently that it was a lot of warfare, which uh, we're doing. I hope it's not a major uh, malfunction there. Randy? Just keep talking, John. I'm getting them back right now. Okay. Yeah, now, again, <clears throat> National Writers Syndicate is where you want to go if you want to read uh, the truth. That's www.nationalwriterssyndicate.com. And if you want to uh, hear the truth, uh, come here to AVR, American Voice Radio uh, Network. Uh, my show here, America Betrayed, is, comes on every Wednesday, 6 p.m. West Coast, 9 p.m. Uh, East Coast. 
uh, check it out. Uh, I've talked about a, a number of things. I worked in Congress for a number of years, and I wanted to dispel some of these so-called um, uh, conspiracy theories, which they are not theories. Um, I wanted to, I told who killed Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, uh, the man who killed him was not the one that they said. It was uh, a, a man who, and they also ground him up on a pig farm up in northern Michigan. And also... Uh, Marilyn Monroe, I found out was my cousin about six years ago. Uh, it's proved it's proved to about uh, 70%. I'm getting a DNA test uh, taken. Oh, Randy, okay. And Donnie's still cut. Okay. Hey, Randy, um, I met you back in, uh, let's see, 92. I know it's the early 90s. Yeah, 92 was the first time I met you. The first thing we did at uh, New George's in uh, in San Rafael. About the Barker Helmet Law. Yeah, they um, we wanted to uh, get rid of the Helmet Law. And uh, we asked people if they would donate. And uh, we were very, we were novices and we didn't know what we had to do. The owners of New George's said they, they would bartend and, you know, take care of, we do security, supply the food for the... Uh, I imagine they took in a pretty good bar that night, huh? Yeah, they did. And we, and we went and looked in the donation box. There wasn't even one dollar. Yeah, there wasn't even one dollar. Okay, uh, again, uh, Frank, you had the questions you wanted to ask uh, Donnie or... Yeah, Randy? yeah, I did. Uh, before Donnie, the, back with us? Yeah, I got back. I got disconnected. Hey, somewhere. brother. Hey. <laughs> hey, you know, I was a little so. sorry for a second, guys. I hadn't heard nothing's going to stop us now in years and years. I know. That's great song. Craig, but he plays tasteful guitar solos really good. He sure does, man. You know, he, Craig got into a thing where he kind of settled down and, and almost did his solo almost like a voice. He was crazy yeah, there for yeah. a while. And, we did some records Very where Craig cool. just got he just got uh, into this voice thing and then really structured his, his solos, but it's they were still cool. killer. It's Very cool to hear Grace singing, you know? I know, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Frank. Hey, guys, I just had to say something. <laughs> to okay. Oh, yeah, my, my question is just real real general, we're, and it's to both you barely guys. hear you, Frank. Oh, sorry. Uh, you do you guys... Uh, I'm sure you do, but I'd like we'd like to know who and where. Well, where mostly? Where's your favorite places to play, and where's your least favorite places to play? <laughs> you want to go first, DB? Yeah, I, I, you know what? I, we we spend a lot of time on the East Coast. We we hit the Midwest a lot, but mostly the East Coast. Uh, of course, I always love playing in San Francisco. In fact, we just got a thing sent to us today that we're uh, going to do. I think July. Or not July, but June 4th. There's a 50th anniversary at Golden Gate Fields. Uh, Summer we're doing of Love. That. Yeah, Summer of Love. We did that probably, I don't know, five or six years ago. We're going to do it again. Uh, it's always good to play in the city. You know, it's always good to come home. But we. we... Uh oh. Hi. Yeah, I'm yeah. having a, we're having trouble keeping Donnie on the line here. Maybe you ought to try him on his way. Is he at home? I'm not sure. It's the, uh, it yeah, was... see, I, I know he had a bunch of, so if he's on his cell phone, he might be going through city. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if it's a cell phone, then anything can, any, if you move the wrong way, it can, uh, you know, 
Yeah, do you? So he'll try calling back in. <laughs> yeah, I think he is right now. He's, he's he's dealing with family stuff and he's on the move tonight. Hmm. Donnie, you back? No, he's not back. But Randy still can answer the question. <laughs> yeah. So you. Okay. Yeah. So favorite place, worst place. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Well, there's so many. I mean, I've been fortunate to play around the world, just like Donnie. Uh, I think I played in 22 different countries, millions of people. You know, it's kind of like your little dream comes true. That's cool. Some places better than others. I uh, I love the Beacon Theater in New York City on Broadway. It's oh, such a historical place. It's funky old theater. But when you go in and you're going up to your dressing rooms backstage, I mean, just the 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 soul. Of, I mean, everybody's played there. You know what I mean? Yeah, my Everybody. You know, one interesting thing you mentioned the Beacon Theater. Uh, my cousin actually works at the Beacon Theater, and she's get all, out. No, she's always sending me. You know, every time the Allman Brothers play there, because yeah, yeah she sends me a T-shirt. You know, yeah, and the and the it's Grateful Dead and play. all the uh, you know any. You know, anybody in the Grateful Dead, you know, that have their own little, like, rat dog and, you know, whatever they're right. doing today, Everybody you know. plays the Beacon. Yeah, it's a great uh, And I played a gig there in the late 80s or something with Elvin Bishop, and we played with Albert Collins and Ry Cooter and David Lindley, and it was just such a special night to me, you know. I mean, there's so many cool places. I love Barcelona, Spain. I'd go back there in a heartbeat. Uh, I, I love playing, you know, San Francisco, like Donnie was starting to say. I mean, you know, there's oh, so much history there, and, and Donnie and I are deeply entwined in that whole brotherhood and family of musicians up there, you know. So it's very cool playing like the Great Ball or, you know, whatever the place. Now, Randy, what is, your, what is your favorite venue in San Francisco? My favorite venue in the in San Francisco, right. probably Great American Musical mm. on, uh, I guess that's on Geary Street. What about Southern California? Southern California, well, the Hollywood Bowl. Well, that's right. You know. That's right. First met Jerry uh, after I hadn't seen him in years. Hollywood yeah, Bowl. I mean, there's he, a lot of great venues all over California, but in L.A. proper. Hollywood Bowl, hands down, you know. So where's the worst? Where's the worst dive you'd never want to go back to? <laughs> uh, you know, I think I've erased them from my memory. <laughs> I mean, all of us, Donnie, too, anybody, any musician, you start out paying your dues, you know, and you pay, play little shitty bars sometimes, especially in L.A. and San Francisco and New York. That you don't even get paid. That you get, they give you tickets. You got to sell your own tickets to try to make money to the shows because you're playing for exposure, you know. And it, 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 at this stage of my career, that just tastes awful. <laughs> <laughs> I like a nice pre-negotiated contract. Know what I'm walking into. But uh, once again, I've been very fortunate. But I've played just all kinds of dives. Like I said, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. I played, I remember a gig I played up in middle Tennessee. It was a dry county. It was the county that Buford Pusser 
you know, I don't know if you guys remember who he yeah, yep, was. made Paul. a movie about him. Walking and Paul. And he was like, you know, it, it, it was ridiculous. I mean, alcohol is illegal, yet we're playing a club filled with alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and and trailers for the brothel out back, you know. It's like scary-ass scary shit, you know. Yeah, right. Uh, Randy, well, you uh, know we got I'm we so got a, glad I got to experience that. Randy, we got a caller, uh, John from Nantucket. John, go ahead. Hey, Nantucket John, great to, great to hear you again. And Donnie and Randy, my God, I'll tell you, I, I, I was talking about old school music, you know, conceiving, writing, you know, putting it all together, knowing how to play the instruments. And, man, I, I'll tell you what, I just can't, can't really get into the new stuff except if the new stuff is the old stuff. And uh, you guys... A lot of great memories, a lot of great music. So glad, John, you had these two icons on your show tonight. Hey, man, what's the weather like in Nantucket tonight? Are you guys getting braced for a bunch of nor'easter stuff? Uh, that was, you know, Monday night was tough. We had about 60, 70-mile-an-hour uh, gusts, and it wow. was pouring to beat the band. And uh, uh, tonight's sort of calm. Tonight's clear. Uh, the winds died down, but I'll tell you one thing: there's something special being 30 miles out to sea and living, now, what particularly a in the place off season. Said, brother, good for you. Great. Yeah, but guys, I can't thank you enough. This, you guys, I got all the oldies and goodies. And as I said, if the new stuff is the old stuff, I'm happy. And thank God, you guys, man. I'll tell you what: you, you, you've made my decisions. Hey, man. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks for calling in, John. John, all the best to you. Same to you. Yeah, Randy. Um, so that's Hello. what's the uh, problem with uh, Donnie is his cell phone. So yeah, well, he, you know, when I talked to him this afternoon, he said he's got some family issues. He's got two young daughters and <laughs> car issues and need to be here and there and mechanics. And he said he's going to have to be on the cell phone. So it is what it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, you, uh, why don't you give any where you're playing uh, in the area? You're, you know, you're in Southern California, but we have quite a number of listeners out in that area. Why don't you uh, give your next uh, venue? I'm not playing out live that much. I uh, mostly work in my home studio, and I write stuff for film and TV, so I don't have to leave the house. It's it's quite nice after 33 years of airplanes, airports, hotels, and tour buses, you know? Well, you, fi you finally caught on. That's why I started doing radio, because I don't have to shave or wear clothes. Yeah, <laughs> I'll put that thought right out of my, that picture right out of my mind. But uh, Well, yeah, you've seen me. No, the other people haven't. they got a glorious A friend of mine, uh, Kurt Griffey, plays with Credence. He's not an original member, but he's, he's he's an incredible guitar player. And another guitar player named Bob DeLellis that used to work some with Eddie Money. He was in a band called Rat. that had a big hit back in the 80s. And we do a little trio thing. And, you know, mostly we do private party-type things because clubs just offer you an insulting amount of money to play. But we enjoy playing, and our agent likes for us to play. We play this little place up in Camarillo, and she, uh, our agent can send out buyers that are looking for an act like us for their private party. Back. And so uh, 
Not, it, it's very cool. Kurt's still busy with Credence. He's actually on some kind of rock and roll cruise this week, I think. But we'll be cranking it back up here soon, as soon as everybody's in town. <laughs> well, if you, um, I, I, I never told uh, Donnie this, but I may have had a hand getting him uh, the gig with the uh, Jerry Garcia band because Cliff, Jerry's brother, said they were looking for a drummer, and I mentioned uh, Donnie uh, that he'd be excellent. So that may have happened. I remember when we uh, had, uh, uh, you know, the gig out in um, San Francisco at uh, the Off-Broadway there, and uh, that was really good. I mean, you, you and you and Donnie, uh, well, uh, people have heard you, heard you sing. We've made a lot of music together, and separate, but a lot together for many years. Yeah. And uh, they're going to hear uh, Hi, another. You? Yeah, I'm back. Hey, he's back. He's back. <laughs> hey, brother. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I keep getting, I keep, my call keeps dropping for some reason. So hopefully uh, I'll be here a little bit. You missed a call from uh, John from Nantucket, uh, Donnie. He, he oh, said you so really, really enjoyed uh, hearing you guys. Uh, you oh, guys are the wow. best. I mean, you're, you're the cream of the crop as far as I'm concerned. I, I so, think he so. mentioned icons. Oh, icons. Oh, yeah. oh I, th I thought he was talking about me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's I mean, pretty what? good. <laughs> but uh, you know, you guys are uh, really fantastic. That drum beat—you recognize any time I hear uh, any of the uh, songs that Donnie hey, plays drums. This guy Donnie Ballin can play any drum beat. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's just that, just that solid. Uh, it, it's it's great. Yeah. You know, I, I'd like to ask you guys because Randy, you mentioned the Beacon Theater, which I'm, you know, from a from a fan. You know, I've been there several times and I love it there and Radio City Music Hall is, is similar to that but I've never played radio Donnie have you played Radio City Music Hall I have yes it's, it's I thought amazing. you had yeah you can I mean it's one of those places where you're on stage you can definitely feel uh, some very serious vibes of who's been there and who's been on the stage in history that's what I was yeah. going to ask you guys now because you mentioned the beacon is you know the I, I know that stadiums are you know they're, it's got to be a thrill to sit out there you know look at that many people but do you like to play smaller places like the Beacon that are kind of intimate or uh, you know even smaller bars or or do you do you like the stadium uh, setup? No, I can go for it. It, it kind of depends on on what's happening at the time. I I know that in the 80s when we were doing the Jefferson Starship. Uh, early 80s, we were doing a lot of uh, outdoor, I guess, stadiums, big, big concert events, and you know, 20,000 people. Yeah, it's always a serious rush. It's it's great, you know. Um, there's some other great bands, and a lot of times there was just an evening with the Jefferson Starship. But uh, uh, you know, I kind of like the uh, the theaters. You know, we've been doing a lot of the big theaters that hold anywhere from. Five or six hundred to twelve or fifteen hundred. Um, it just seems like there's more of a connection, um, yep. and, and obviously for us, what we try to do is after the fact, uh, go out and do a meet and greet, and you don't usually get to do that too much at at the bigger venues, even though well, I remember doing some of them. But it's it's kind of a different vibe. So I always lean towards smaller places, but the big places are always a great rush. 
Well, guys, uh, I hate to interrupt, but we're coming up on the end of the show. I'm going to end the show with one of Randy's songs from Melvin Bishop. Uh, I just want to mention one thing, Donnie. I took uh, Randy up to see a friend of mine that lives out in Malibu, and um, we were sitting out by the pool, and um, my friend's wife asked the three of us. There was uh, three of us, uh, Randy and one other uh, friend of mine and myself, where we knew each other from, and Randy said, from prison. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, like my boy. and I said, yeah, I was the warden And these two guys were on death row Yeah, oh God So, but uh, thanks again for being on the show You guys are a class act um, We wish we had more time uh, Before my show, before I always had two hours That's only an hour now yeah. But uh, well, thanks, thanks again, Randy yeah. Being my friend for so many years And for helping right, me out I got you, brother and, and Donnie, a uh, great man. Uh, hope everything's fine with you. You uh, really are, uh, like I said, a class act, both of you. And you're not into drugs or anything else like that. You're just uh, good straight shooters. That's all. Good musicians, good people. So uh, here we go. This is a song that uh, Randy did when he was with Alvin Bishop, and I hope you enjoy it. And uh, next week we're going to be talking about the drought. Uh, Orlean Curley is going to be on the show. She's be the president of Eagle Forum of California. And we're going to have the vice president. Well, I can't talk about that yet, but I also have an answer on who's financing this uh, wall for uh, Trump. I think you're going to be shocked when you find out. Are you? Uh, Yeah, it was me. Randy gave me a loan. (laughs) All right, John, take care. So here's your song, uh, Randy. Hope you uh, enjoy it. And uh, here we go with um, what is it?
The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. And this is Financial Survival for, what is this, Wednesday night, 28th day of the of January, year of our Lord, 2015. I'll give you the market report in just a moment. James Corbett is scheduled to join us after the first segment. He'll be coming on about 23 minutes after the hour, and he'll be here for the rest of the program. He'll be calling in from Japan. Uh, let's start with the market and see what happened today. Gold went down $8.80. Uh, to $1,284.34 per ounce. Silver was down seven cents to 18.06. Platinum was off 11 to $1,252 per ounce. Palladium was up 14 to $798 per ounce. Dow Jones was down uh, 196 points to 17,191. Nasdaq was off. 43 points to 4,638. New York Stock Exchange was down 178 points to 10,603.90. U.S. dollar was up 0.04 for the day. That might actually be reflecting the evening. Um, I think it was actually down during the day, down a little bit during the day today. 
on the U.S. markets, and I think I'm looking at the uh, at the evening market right now, the the overseas markets. Uh, crude oil is up for nine cents right now, but uh, it was down today. It's down. It's currently forty four dollars and fifty four cents per barrel. Little surprising. It's not shocking, given what's already happened to it. But I'm inclined to think, you know, more on gut than uh, anything else, that 45 is about the bottom for crude oil. Now, I don't doubt that it can go lower, but I think it won't go much lower for much longer. My suspicion, completely unsupportable or unsupported by facts or anything other than uh, just, a, just you know, a certain amount of suspicion, um, I think I think 45 is going to turn out to be about the bottom for crude oil, and we'll see. Maybe I am correct, and maybe not. What else do we have to talk about before we get Mr. Corbett on here? Let's start with a report from. Whoops, go up. Here's a report from Market Watch, and the headline is "Too Late: We're Already in a Bear Market." This is an article written by Mark D. Cook runs the Mark D. Cook Advisory Service, twice-a-day email for investors and traders. He writes, investor sentiment hasn't been so bad since the last time stocks lost big. Now, he uses some proprietary formulas, somewhat like Gerald Salente, to arrive at predictions of what's going to happen in the marketplace. <laughs> and he's had some success in the past and probably all of us have. We've made predictions once or twice in the past that turned out to be right, and that proves, well, we'll forget about the other 500 predictions we made that turned out to be wrong, but we will always remember the one or two that were correct. Mr. Cook has made some important predictions that turned out to be right. <clears throat> and he says, investor sentiment hasn't been so bad since the last time stocks lost big. The recent bubble that burst in the oil market has been the talk around the world. What would people say if the stock market fell 40% in 2015? The U.S. Markets Foundation is crumbling, according to my calculations. That would be Mark Cook. Just as it did in 2000 and in 2008. Now, he describes some of the complex market indicators and analyses that he uses, and I'm not going to try to get into those right here. They, it's almost impossible to communicate, you know, technical information over the radio. You need a piece of paper, something you can look at. But he, he talks about the complex market indicators that he uses and relies on. Oh, let me see. Hang on for just a second. Yep, it was... Washington Times, I have a couple articles clipped that I can use with uh, James Corbett when he comes on in 20 minutes or so. And Washington Times has these, they embed these videos. And even if you're not looking at them, you haven't clicked on them, they make them work. And it's infuriating, but nevertheless, they do it from time to time, so... They just went on. You couldn't hear it. I could. Drives me nuts. Frank, I blame you for this. Frank is our producer. I blame Frank for this. It's not really his fault. Nothing he could do about it. But still, it's part of the reason we have a producer, someone who can take responsibility when things mess up. Because 
can't have the host taking responsibility. Someone else's responsibility to take responsibility, and that's Frank, the producer. In any case, got the video under control for the moment at least. U.S. Markets Foundation is crumbling according to Mr. Wood's calculation. Excuse me, Cook's, Mr. Cook's calculation. Uh, Just as it did two other times, once in March of 2000 and again in December of 2007, in each of the following years, the market lost more than 30%. So he's suggesting, he's seen this happen twice before. Both times it was a harbinger of a serious decline in the equities markets. And he says, here are four observations about this market. One, institutions are not buying. Without big institutional support, the market is in trouble. Lack of institutional buying is bearish. This is undoubtedly one of the components of his formula for tracking or predicting whether the market's going up, down, or sideways. And he has concluded that institutions aren't buying stocks right now. He regards that as a bad sign. Two, there were more minus 1,000 New York Stock Exchange ticks than plus 1,000 U.S. uh, uh, New York Stock Exchange ticks. This demonstrates that rallies are hollow and short-lived. The markets go up, markets go down, but they go down with greater passion than they go up. They go up sometimes. But it's not that big a deal. It's kind of casual. That's his. That's the implication of what he's saying. Three, the stock market is now at lower prices than just before the European quantitative easing was announced. Now, this strikes me as interesting. His, his, his point is interesting and perhaps illuminating. He says the stock market is now at lower prices than just before the European quantitative easing was announced. And the point to this is that positive news has no lasting effect on rallying the market. The market's not just jumping up every time somebody pops open a bottle of champagne. The market is kind of slow to react to good news, and he's saying that's not a good sign. Item four, the volume, the lower highs, and now the lower price highs are all indications of a price pattern deterioration. Hmm? So he sees these four items as indicating that the equities market, like the Dow, are destined to, are fated to go down significantly in the next several months. He goes on, he says, conditions today remind me of a speech I gave in February 2000 to some traders in New York. I was direct, you are in the stock market. Uh, You who are in the stock market, get out now. You will get killed. Two dozen people walked out on me. That would be Mr. Cook, of course. He was speaking to him and he warned him, going to be trouble. But his trading mechanism, his, his, his formula that he uses, he calls it CCT, was then pushing out the most ominous reading since it began in 1986. Institutional buying was non-existent. In January 2000, the CCT, that's his trading, proprietary trading program, weakened, but the Standard and poor kept rising. That told me the rally was built on quicksand. His uh, formula, his his uh, his formulas gave him an advance warning. The bear market was showing its vulnerability in January of 2000. That's when he caught wind of it with his 
<clears throat> formula, but stocks did not held south until April of 2000, resulting bear market. 2000-2003 cut the value of the standard and poor 500 by about half. He says, I am now more bearish on U.S. stock markets than ever before. The implication of all this is that his proprietary market prediction formula is again on track. If it's correct, if it's on track, if it's if it's really if it's giving out a viable signal, we can expect a significant decline in the equities markets. We should see the beginning of that decline no later than the end of April, yeah, maybe March. But he's suggesting that his his formula gives us three four months advance warning. Here we are in January, add three, we are talking March, maybe April, and by then we should see, if his formulas are correct, we should see a significant decline in the stock market. Now, who can tell, with all of the people who are predicting that the market is going up, down, or sideways, who knows where it's going? You know, the fact of the matter is we have these paradigms that people put together periodically in order to track the market, and not a lot of people have them, and they don't necessarily agree. And in the end, these predictions are a lot like reading tea leaves at the bottom of a cup of coffee. They turn out to be right from time to time. But it's hard to say whether they are right because the mathematics is correct, because there was an inevitability, the market did something today and therefore it necessarily had to do something in April of this year? Is there a cause and effect or are we just dealing with an infinite number of economists on an infinite number of mathematical formulae and they come up with, and some of them are going to be right. I advance, I'm presenting Mr. Cook's formula because in my gut, and that's all. It's not a reliable indicator. But in my gut, I have a feeling the first quarter of this year could see a lot of problems. I am presenting his stuff just because it gives a little credibility to nothing more than intuition on my part. I've just watched the velocity of news increase so much in the last six months. You know, every day we're looking for articles that we can talk about on the program. Six months ago, you know, you could find a couple articles. More recently, you get so many articles that you could talk about. The big problem is trying to select which ones. And from my perspective, as a co-host, usually co-host on the program with Melody Cedarstone, you can see that the velocity of news is increasing, it's accelerating. Um, there is more evidence of instability every day. And my opinion, that opinion is perhaps primarily subjective, but I do this for a living. And I have, you know, you get a feel for it. You get a feel for it. It doesn't mean you're right, doesn't mean you're, you know, you have a perfect feel for it, but things are moving more rapidly, more rapidly, more rapidly. They seem to be accelerating, and insofar as that's true, and insofar as the whole system is fundamentally unstable, it just points to a time when 
this whole thing is likely to just fall apart. I mean, we're dealing with a house of cards. Anyone who looks at this closely, there is not an economy in the world of any significance that anyone can point to and say, well, that's solid. That economy is going to still be here five years, 10 years, 20 years from now. That's solid. Every economy in the world is unstable right now. And it's holding together for reasons that are not abundantly clear, but it's not unreasonable to sit back and say, gee, I wonder how long this is going to be able to, how long can they resist reality? Mr. Cook is predicting that reality is likely to strike, you know, by April of this month, of this year. I think he's got an argument that's worth considering. Not necessarily true, but it's worth considering. Here's something from CNBC. The headline is, this will be devastating for earnings. The big concern for earnings uh, this quarter is not the U.S. dollar's strength, but the impact of low oil prices. This according to CEO Nick Raich, um, interviewed on CNBC today. It's going to be quite devastating for profits and expectations for profits for the energy companies for 2015 and 2016. He thinks this problem with crude oil is going to continue for the entire year. All right? And he's probably right. I'm the one who was earlier saying, I think, it's, I think 45 is going to turn out to be about the bottom. But if, if Mr. Rake is, uh, is correct, then I'm probably wrong. It's going to fall much deeper than 45. We'll watch and see who's right or wrong. But he says it's going to be a devastating year for profits and expectations in the energy companies. He says the problem is that every dollar drop in the energy sector earning expectations is not being met with an equal rise in the other nine standard and poor sectors. In other words, we're sitting back and say, yay, the price of oil is falling. The price of gasoline is falling. People have more money in their pockets. It means, yeah, this is bad for the oil companies, but it should be good for other parts of the economy. And therefore, while the oil companies go down, other parts of the economy should be going up. And what he's saying, no, that's not happening. The energy sector is going down, but the other nine sectors of uh, Standard and Poor 500 are not going up. Consequently, energy earnings are dragging down overall, overall Standard and Poor's earnings. Reich's noted that the 10 worst earning revisions in the Standard and Poor 500 come from energy companies. Further added that the declines in energy are the most severe the market has seen in any since, sector since the financial crisis. The magnitude of what that magnitude is what will produce the devastating impact that can't be good for the economy. And I'm inclined to agree with them. I think a lot of people are running around cheering, say, yay, yay, yay. You know, the price of gasoline is down. Yes, it's a good thing, but it will have other adverse consequences. And these consequences are going to come home to roost over the next, you know, six months year, whatever, and we will perhaps regret that oil prices have fallen. I'm Alfred Adisk, and this is Financial Survival. We're going to take some commercial announcements. James Corbett should be here for the second and third segment. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. and risk of conventional health care concern you? Wouldn't you prefer inexpensive solutions to health problems rather than disease management? If so, tune into Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless. I'm Alfred Adusk, and this is Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188. Our guest this evening is James Corbett. He's supposed to be our guest. Producer has not yet told me if Mr. Corbett is or is not yet here. I'd really like to know. James, are you here? I'm here. I'm here. All right. Good. Good. That takes <laughs> it, uh, the Our producer... He's got this thing about taking the wings off of flies. You understand? He likes to torment little little creatures and radio hosts where we don't know. I don't know. Am I going to have a guest? Not going to have a guest. I'm sure he gets a large. He's much amused by this. I'm not necessarily all that. I don't find it all that funny. But James Corbett is the is the mind behind the Corbett Report. C O R B E T T Report. Uh, dot com. He's been publishing that website 
and articles on there since 2007 as an analysis, as, a, as an independent critical analysis of politics, society, history, and economics. Also editorial writer of the International Forecaster, weekly e-newsletter created by the recently deceased Bob Chapman. And although he's usually here for our uh, for, for an interview each week, you're not going to be here for two weeks coming up. And it's my understanding that's because at least one of these, Jeff Berwick is having a something called the dollar of the of the dollar vigilante, and uh, he's having anarch the first international anarchist anarcho-capitalist conference of its type, which will be held in Acapulco, Mexico, February 24th, March 1st. 2015, with speakers including Luke Radowski, Dan Dix, Roger Ver, Cody Wilson, and James Corbett. So we're going, or you're going, to the Anarchapulco meeting in Acapulco. And my question is to you first, are you an anarchist, an uh, anarcho-capitalist? How do you fit in, and how do you define anarchist? Good question. Well, first of all, I should clarify, I won't be here next week because of a family commitment, and uh, this Anarchopoco will be at the end of February, so I'll be missing that uh, edition of this radio broadcast as well. But yes, uh, the question is a good one because this, these terms are so loaded with people's preconceptions and misconceptions that yeah. I think they can be very off-putting for people. So the way that I would define myself politically, I don't tend to use the word anarchist as a self-definition because, uh, because of those preconceptions that I talk about. And obviously there's now over a century of basically the idea of bomb-wielding bearded terrorists uh, being associated with that word that is far from from what I would uh, place myself in. And of course, the anarchist tradition is really a tradition of the left, the radical far left, in fact, almost a, a really a socialist tradition, um, which I don't really uh, associate myself with either. So I, I understand, I mean, a lot of people who call themselves anarchists absolutely despise anarcho-capitalism and think that's not anarchism. And I don't want to get into those types of disputes because I think that places all of the emphasis in the wrong place. Basically, all anarchism means is without root rulers, uh, i.e. people who do not believe that there should be, that there are a special class of people who have, by virtue of whatever magic process is uh, is taken, uh, takes place in society, whether that be the royal divine right of kings, or whether that be some sort of magic vote, or however it, uh, it is bestowed on someone, that they have some rights that the average person does not have. So um, that's that's the, the sort of idea behind anarchism in general, but that doesn't say a lot about the specific type or emphasis of the anarchism in question. I, I think there are a lot of different types of anarchism, individualist anarchism and, uh, and, uh, and uh, socialist anarchism and anarcho-capitalism and all sorts of other types. Basically, the way I would define myself politically is uh, I would say I'm a voluntarist, and that places the emphasis on the fundamental ethical principle that I think underlies all of this, which is that I believe that no one has a right to come in and interfere and interact with uh, a consenting uh, uh, agreement between two adults who uh, freely uh, d freely 
contract with each other in the free and open marketplace. And basically what that means is that no one can initiate violence against someone who is acting peacefully, whether that be a man wearing a, a shiny badge and a, and a fancy hat or any other type of person claiming to have some sort of magic authority that, uh, that allows them to come in and initiate violence against peaceful people. And, uh, and so the, the, the fundamental underlying concept here is not really a political one so much as it is a moral one. And it's really as simple as the moral that the morals that we learn in kindergarten uh, don't steal what other 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 people's possessions and uh, don't hit other people you know out of rage or whatever uh, and and that's pretty much it and and from that principle but as a, lot a practical of, matter i i'm pretty sure i can remember uh, some of the kids stealing my milk or graham crackers back when i was in kindergarten and even though we were taught not to do that you're talking about some pretty well-established tendencies within our species. I mean, for every anarchist out there saying, oh, you can't legally push us around, there's at least one Nazi who says, oh, yes, we can. How do you resolve Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I don't dispute that at all. And yeah. I, I certainly don't think of this as a utopian philosophy. I think of it as a very pragmatic one because the uh, I understand completely what you're saying. There will always be people in society who do aggress and do initiate violence, and uh, and and so the the outcome of that for most people is well then we need a state to stop those people from doing that, and to me that is kind of mind-boggling because it assumes a number of things. I mean, first of all, it assumes that somehow from the pool of people that we know and we admit and we all agree are inherently in some way or other, all of us are inclined at some point or other to be an aggressor and to, to break those types of moral and ethical principles that at least most of us try to live up to, but no, no one of us is perfect. No one out there has, has lived a perfect life. So, uh, so uh, from that pool of people, we're somehow going to select people who are going to enforce these actions and give them special powers to uh, enforce these actions as if they're going to use those, act, uh, those, that, those powers in a good way, which I think is a bit of a contradiction. Also, Absolutely. I mean, the idea that we're going to stop people from initiating violence by giving people the power to initiate violence again, seems like a contradiction to me. So I, I think that this is just the most pragmatic way of dealing with the question of what do you do with the corruption that inevitably comes with power? And I think that's the real, uh, the, the Pollyanna-ish aspect of all of this, is the people who believe that somehow there is some way of instituting that fundamental violence and force in society that is the stick of government without having it be corrupted. And I think the closest or, or the, the, the most noble expression of that idea of, of human freedom that has been attempted, politically speaking, occurred in the United States in the late 18th century, or what I became agree, the yeah. United States. That was, that was I mean, there, there were some of the smartest people in the world uh, and some of the greatest political philosophers of human history seriously dedicating themselves to the question of how do you create a society based on fundamental human freedom and, and virtue and liberty. And of course, from the very outset, from the very beginning, it was flawed. It was a good attempt, and there was some nice rhetoric, but it was flawed. It was, and it, it, whatever you want to say about it, it inevitably became what it has become now, which is not, absolutely not a, a place of, of that ex same expression of human freedom and, and virtue. Do you think that expression can be regained? Do you think there's... Not politically, no. You don't think no, it can really be regained so. politically? No, I, I, that's, you see, that's where the, the fundamental 
point for me in all of this is that is that the solution to all of this is not going to be a political solution. And it's I think it's our tendency to look for political solution, which is the most insidious problem with all of this. Because yeah, no, again, we're whether you're daddy, daddy, kiss my boo-boos and uh, fix this problem. Go fight with Timmy's dad and beat him up because Timmy gave me a hard time. Right. Looking it, for somebody even, to do our fighting worse. for. Yeah, it's even worse than that because it's not just – because there's, there's the daddy government idea that we're, we're going to have the big, strong government to tell people what to do and to, to force the you know, rules on people. Or there's going to be mummy government to come and kiss the boo-boos and make everything better. And so you can be caught up in that system of arguing, well, do I want a daddy government or do I want a mommy government? And that can cons- and does usually consume people their entire lives, and they get to choose a side and, and advocate for that side and get lost in the left-right, blue-red kind of thing. And not realize fundamentally that there are other ways of conceptualizing how we can organize ourselves as a society rather than looking for a daddy or a mommy government. So your your argument is, or your at least ideal, is the answer, do you want a mommy government, do you want a daddy government? The answer is none of the above. We'd like, like some other arrangement because either way, it turns into something unfortunate. It gets too big. Is government just bad because of its size? Is the idea of government inherently bad, or is it bad because government have, they want to grow all the time, and they get bigger and bigger, and they become as a function of magnitude? Not necessarily government, but is magnitude, or is it the government itself that's the problem? I, I, yeah, I sympathize with the minarchist position, and, and I guess pragmatically speaking, I think minarchism is a way of starting to dismantle at least the barriers in people's minds to this idea that we need government for any possible problem in society. I mean, we have to confront yeah, that before we even start thinking about the idea of removing government. So I think, yes, I, I'm certainly sympathetic to the minarchist idea, but fundamentally... And when you say minarchist, you're not saying anarchist, you're saying minarchist, and I assume you mean minimum government. Yes, I'm sorry, I should true? make that clear. Yes, minarchism is basically the idea that we just need a government for just protection of our basic rights, so sort of the Bill of Rights kind of concept, and, and just the absolute minimum government that's needed to protect everyone's property rights and make sure you know, that bad people go to jail or something of that nature, just the sort of minimum government that's needed. However, I think that was kind of the embodying ethos of a lot of the people in the beginning of, of the U.S., uh, uh, not all of them, of course, but a lot of the, the, the spirit behind it was that, and it became the most, one of the most tyrannical monstrosities that has uh, ever plagued the world yeah. with the, uh, the Pax Americana and NATO and all of this police state tyranny that's going on under Obama and his cohorts uh, on the left and right over the past several decades. So I, I again, I think that there's I think we have to look deeper than just the question of trying to to minimize government, because that has never worked in history at any rate, whether or not it's even theoretically possible. Well, I'm not not an anarchist or a minarchist. I'm a pogoist, which means I subscribe to the philosophy, we have met the enemy and they are us. Mm. Um, Here's an article that was in the Washington Times. Exclusive, secret tapes undermine Hillary Clinton on Libyan war. And our first paragraph is top Pentagon officials and and a senior Democrat in Congress so distrusted Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton's 2011 march to war in Libya that they opened their own diplomatic channels with Gaddafi, with the Gaddafi regime, in an effort to halt the escalating crisis. 
This is according to a secret audio recording recovered from Tripoli just in the last little while. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this or this strikes you as, as, as important, but we have, if this is a true story, and again, this is in the Washington Times, this should be, this, this is a credible story. If the military and one government and, and one Democrat in Congress have worked to open up their own diplomatic channels, the Gaddafi regime, to try to stop the Libyan, the, the assault on Libya back a couple of years ago, what do we actually have for government right now? If, they're not, if they don't distrust Hillary, uh, the Secretary of State, and they can set up their own channels, do we have anything like a monolithic government, or is this just a free-for-all where anyone who's in something like a position of power can do whatever moves him on any given day? Well, thank you for bringing this story to my attention. I hadn't seen it yet. So this is, this is an interesting little piece of that puzzle. And I think this, this type of story is very helpful for the general public that does tend to think of government as a monolithic entity, mm-hmm. whereas in reality, and in specifically in the American context, I mean, it's a million people um, that range all over the map in all sorts of different departments and different bureauc- bureaucratic nests that have different agendas and different ideas and are sometimes working in concert and sometimes working against each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's important to have that, that understanding that these types of things go on, even behind the, the Secretary of State's back, secret diplomatic channels are opened. Um, we saw recently a report come out about the secret diplomatic channels that are, are being, a, or that have been opened or were attempted to be opened. It's not clear which between uh, the U.S. and Russia, by which they were trying to get Henry Kissinger to call up his old friend Putin to try to establish some some secret diplomatic channels. These types of things go on all the time in various ways in different administrations. And I think it is, as you say, it's important for us to understand this uh, and not as a monolithic entity, but as this kind of multivariate system of competing interests or sometimes colliding or, or even in concert interests that, uh, that are working in, in different ways. And uh, this, I mean, again, this, this has huge implications for, uh, for I mean, for, for every level of... Because this uh, isn't just a question of we... Okay, I'm going to say President Obama is going to set up some secret diplomatic channels to deal with Gaddafi, for example. We've got Secretary of State Hilton, uh, Clinton. She's doing one thing that's out in the open that the public can see. Other, other parts of the government are doing something in secret. That's not a surprise. But when we see other parts of the government operating contrary, we're not just talking about having secret channels that are both they're playing both ends against the middle. We're talking about a secret channel that is working contrary to the Secretary of State. You see what I'm saying? Well, there's antagonism here. There's not merely, you know, a multiplicity. There's antagonism. And what does that all mean? Well, I, again, I think this is an interesting window into potentially even much more important stories, like the one that kind of flitted across the news radar and was was flirted with, but not really brought to the attention of the public, uh, uh, talking about a 
a loose nuke scenario that was talked about and reported mm-hmm. on by the alternative media a year and a half ago. And there was bits and pieces that were coming out in the establishment media. But basically, uh, I can't remember the details of which base. I think they were located um, somewhere down in Texas. The nukes were supposedly in Texas, and they were allegedly shipped to the East Coast. Right. For yeah. reasons that were unclear and never verified. But we can talk more about that in a moment. We're going to break for some commercial announcements. I'm Alfred Addis here with James Corbett on Financial Survival. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free 866-229-3663. That's 866 866- Two two nine three six six three. International callers dial seven zero four eight seven five eight zero one zero, or order online at the three w's dot thepowerherbs dot com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. I'm Alfred Addis here in Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188. My guest is James Corbett, who's calling in from Japan. Uh, And we will get on with, uh, let's try this. Here's an article from Prophecy News Watch. And the headline is, Obama Army deploys to Tel Aviv to topple Netanyahu. Now, they're talking about the military, but they say a consulting firm almost entirely composed of former staffers of President Obama's re-election campaign, has been hired to run an election effort in Israel aimed at defeating Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. 
Now, this strikes me as interesting politics. I mean, why doesn't Netanyahu and Obama just settle this in the ring, get it out of their system? You know? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, it does seem like that, doesn't it? And yeah. And yes, I mean, I think this is something that we've all seen playing out in the headlines in various ways over the last few years, the big rift between Obama and Netanyahu. I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, does it actually affect U.S. relations with Israel? And I'm not sure that it really does. I mean, we saw certainly the uh, the absolute support for um, the operations in in Gaza last you know last July, last August. So um, so I don't think it's actually changed anything in that regard politically. But it wouldn't surprise me if there's political machinations to get out a certain member of the Likudniks or whatever out of power and someone who'd be more cooperative with the Obama. And I forget what the latest was. Some some sort of, uh, I guess, Netanyahu wants to speak in front of Congress, but he forgot yeah. to even mention that to uh, to the Obama administration. So yeah, the Congress invited him without even considering what, uh, you know, what the president, president found out about it, I guess, literally through the news media. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe he's listening to alternative media. So we maybe <laughs> so he may be able to learn what's really going on in this country. I'm not sure. Uh, I was just curious if you had any comment. What do you think is going to happen? Is is the Israeli-U.S. political relationship, is it badly damaged? Is it fragile right now? Or is this just a spat that you see between husbands and wives from time to time? Yeah, I really don't see this as anything more than um, maybe not window dressing per se. There may be real differences here and real clash between Obama and Netanyahu. But again, I don't think it actually changes un- fundamental underlying foreign policy here. I don't see anything driving any uh, any wedge between the U.S. and Israel fundamentally in terms of their foreign policy goals of the Middle East. It never has been, and I don't imagine it ever will until the fall of, uh, I don't know, Israel or the United States or some something fundamental. Well, if either... Well, if the United States goes down, I would say Israel won't be too far behind. Mm. If Israel goes down, I don't know, we'll still be here, I assume. But even so, both both nations are, you know, the entire West is in, in a certain amount of trouble here. Well, in that, I mean, in that regard, yeah. specifically talking about those foreign policy considerations, I mean, I think that the death of King Abdullah is going to be yeah. interesting. I, again, I'm not expecting a title change per se, in in the direction that things are heading. But given that we're already on this type of realignment that's going on that sees Saudis, a sort of U.S.-Saudi, if not a rift per se, at least a somewhat distancing, and we'll have to see how that starts to play out. But of course, that, of course, directly pertains to the U.S.-Israel relationship as well, and sort of the entire shaping of the the Middle East. So uh, so some some at least potential for some pretty tectonic moves are taking place right now. Yeah, we've got a new prime minister. I'm not sure what they call the leader for uh, Saudi Arabia. But the former head he passed on, I'm going to guess that the replacement will come in and kind of sit on his hands for 60 days or so before he starts to implement his own policy. But I'm wondering whether or not he's going to change policy in terms of how much oil is being produced. Is the I believe new... the early indications are, uh, from what's being reported, that there will be no change, and that's what mm-hmm. they're saying. But I've also seen some sort of indication that there's going to be high-level meetings um, between Saudi Arabia and Russia and some other partners talking about oil prices. So 
I don't know. I mean, I don't know what this means. Uh, this is something that, in fact, I'm researching right now for this weekend's forecast, or I'm going to be writing an editorial specifically about all of this. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, as I say, it will be interesting to see because, again, this at least presents a, uh, a an inflection point that could be a turning point in U.S.-Saudi relations or could be seen as that in from some future vantage point. And I'm not sure that will be apparent right away, but it will at least give the Saudis a sort of proximate excuse for ramping up this uh, this growing distancing that they've been doing with uh, the U.S. in the last few years. Well, my understanding of the relationship between Saudi Arabia and the United States is that the United States essentially guaranteed Saudi security starting about 1971-72 in that area in return for the Saudis guaranteeing to sell their crude oil only for U.S. dollars. Now, the question is, does the United States still have enough muscle to protect Saudi Arabia? Does Saudi Arabia still trust the United States to provide that security, or are they beginning to realize, wait a second, we've got to start taking care of ourselves? And do you agree with that analysis? Is that what's happening, or is it something other than that? Well, I, I, that's obviously the backbone of it. I mean, you're talking about the petrodollar um, mm-hmm. alliance that was created in the 70s and that has been the backbone of, of the dollar since the uh, the D decoupling from gold in, in the closing of the gold window in uh, under Nick, uh, Nixon. So, yes, I mean, this is the backbone of the world economy that we're talking about, really. And, again, there's so that's many— That's true. You know, I hadn't thought of that, but that's a fact. This really is the relationship between the United States and Saudi Arabia, because it created the petrodollar, it becomes the cornerstone of the modern world government setup. Mm-hmm. And if something happens to that relationship between the United States and Saudi Arabia, a lot of things <laughs> are going to start to shake, rattle, and roll. Well, that's it. I mean, we had bread and woods from the end of the Second World War until the petrodollar era, and now we're in the petrodollar era. And we keep hearing talk about a bread and woods too and kind of a new arrangement for, for uh, global currency. But until that point, at any rate, we have this petrodollar, which is kind of still in place, but it's it's more and more tenuous. I mean, there's yeah. more and more cracks that are forming. And and again, I, I mean, the question is not just one of regional security, although obviously that's that's part of it. But as, as we've seen, I mean, startlingly so in the last few months, this has incredible shockwaves that will be felt across the world geopolitically and economically. And, uh, and again, it's, it's just such an interesting inflection point given what's happening with the oil price right now and the manipulation to, to keep it down, uh, coupled with, I think, a very real deflationary undertow in, in the global economy. And, uh, and that's all combining to, to seem to be coming to some sort of head. And uh, again, I don't want to call timeframes and things of that nature, but I mean, I, I just, I can't envision how the, the, the confluence of the death of King Abdullah, this oil manipulation, the deflation that we see going on, the, the newly announced euro trillion, 1.1 trillion euros they're going to be printing out of nothing. All of this coming together at this time just seems like we are heading towards some very, very large changes on the geopolitical chessboard in the near future. And uh, that's not always, and that's not going to be pleasant, I'm sure, but it will be uh, interesting to watch. I've got an article from CNBC. The headline is, Everyone is is Scared, Nobel Prize winner Schiller. They're talking about Robert Schiller. He won won the uh, Nobel Prize uh, for economics in 2013. 
He says the human race has deep underlying fears about technology and the lives their children will lead, and this can be seen in all places, in negative, in all in the negative yields of bond markets. And this is according to Schiller. He says I think fears have been growing for years that represent the willingness of people to bid up bond prices. And he goes back. He has another paragraph down below here. He says. There's this increasing fear of technology, information technology, artificial intelligence, robotics, 3D printers, the Internet, and all these different forms, he said. The technology, technology, he added, seems to be changing life in such a fundamental way. And what it's leaving people thinking is, where will I be in 30 years? Look how fast everything is changing now. Where will my children be? I want to leave something for them because they could be in terrible straits. And it's interesting to me that Mr. Schiller is not saying, well, there's some, there's some crazy people on the right wing or whatever who are getting a little paranoid. He's saying, no, the world is in this state of fear from his perspective. Do you think he's exaggerating the problem and, or, is, or is, he, is he fundamentally accurate? I don't think it's an exaggeration. I think there is the fear, and it's not a baseless fear. It has very, very real roots in the real world that's going on right now. I mean, people might have seen this week that apparently Apple is, you know, the, the savior of the American economy or something because they've just posted the biggest quarterly profit of all time. And, uh, and this is supposed to be some sign of the, I guess, resurgent American economy? I don't know, um, as if we're going to feed ourselves with iPhone apps or something like that. But, um, but I mean, look at the flip side of that. At the exact same time that Apple is announcing the biggest profit in history because iPhone 6 was such a uh, runaway success, the Apple supplier, Foxconn, which has been under a microscope for the last few years as, as uh, a place where they put up the suicide netting to uh, stop the workers from throwing themselves off a roof because they're basically slave labor, labor and stuff like that. They, they have just announced that they're going to be drastically uh, cutting back their workforce because they, of a, a, a declining revenue growth and rising wages in China. And what are they going to be replacing it with? They're going to robots. be using more robots, yeah, robotic yep. arms to com yep. complete mundane tasks. So, uh, so I mean, this isn't something that people should be fearing in an abstract sense. I mean, it is something that affects people. This is lives. real, and it's here now. Exactly, I mean, and I've not, seen it in my life. I'm I'm relatively young. I'm I'm 35, and I've seen the huge fundamental underlying changes in the economy in my lifetime. Let alone people who are you know decades more seasoned than I. So <laughs> I'm not implicating you in anything there. No, but don't I, worry about it. But I've got two years for every one of yours, and I guarantee you, it's it's one of those things you sit back and if you do think about it, it's like. Holy cow. I look at movies sometimes that were made back about the time I was born. They they have more in common with the Wild West, the 1800s, than they do with today. The kind of technology changes and one thing, and it's, you look at it and you say, oh my gosh, what's going to happen here? What is going to happen? There are companies that want to move back from, they, they, they left this, you know, the industries that left the United States, moved to China, for example. A number of them want to come back now. But when they come back, they're not going to bring the jobs that they took with them. They're going to come back with robots, and they're not going to revive. What are we going to do with the labor force in this country in a world where robots become increasingly common? 
Well, firstly, just on that note of perspective, which really, I mean, one that really hit home for me was uh, the idea that we are now as far from the time in which Back to the Future was released as Back to the Future was from the 1950s that it was portraying, which yep. was one of those moments that made me think well, back to my childhood. Oh, wow. But um, but yes, I mean, that is so important to, to keep in mind just just how far removed we are from from that world that uh, that we grew up in. And as someone who li- literally works as a, a podcaster, which was a concept I was completely unfamiliar with literally a decade ago, let alone mm-hmm. even imagined that I would be doing for a full-time living. I mean, it's, it is a strange world that we're entering, and there, there really is an acceleration to this. I mean, of course, people have gone through massive changes in the past, but there is an acceleration to the rate of change itself, which has been talked about before. And, of course, Ray Kurzweil and others point to this as the singularity. We're heading to this, this point at which the technology will be cha- changing faster than we can even keep up with it as human beings. And, uh, but you know, some of us have a chance to keep up with it. I, at least for a while, you're an intelligent man. A lot of the threats that we perceive right now are not going to affect highly intelligent individuals, at least not immediately and en masse. But what are you going to do for people who really don't have the intelligence or education to do much more than dig ditches and, and, and sweep floors? They're going to be replaced. I mean, there's not going to be work for them. What will we do? Well, this is where I think the, uh, the the depopulation agenda of so many of the mm-hmm. people who have been in positions of power for so long comes into play because I think they've they've foreseen this. I mean, we had uh, Brzezinski writing about the technotronic era back in the 1970s, basically talking about the internet before the internet really existed in the form that it does, and and predicting all of this that was going to happen. And part a fundamental part of that technotronic era he was writing about was control, control of populations, control of information, control of the habits of those populations and the way they are trained to think and uh, do things. And, uh, of course, the, the author of that, uh, Brzezinski, just a couple of years ago said, we are now living in a world, whereas 30 years ago it was easier to control a million people than to kill a million people. We might be living in the opposite world at this point, yeah. i.e. it's easier to kill people than control them. So, uh, unfortunately, that's where we start getting into the very, very bleak stuff of, uh, of what this really could be going in terms of the geopolitical machinations that I was talking about earlier. Well, we're just faced, we're entering a time that's not just going to be challenging on an economic basis. It's going to be challenging on a moral basis, unlike anything we've perhaps ever seen before. There are rational people that are believe, that believe that the population needs of not just this country, but the world needs to be dramatically diminished. And their arguments morally wrong, but rationally, they're fairly solid. What are we going to do with these people? We are all going to be faced with these questions and how we answer them. I'm not looking forward to being even faced, even being faced with the questions, uh, and I don't think any of the rest of us are either. In any case, James, I want to thank you for being on the program. We're out of time. Um, I'll be back with James, not next week, but the following week, and be back tomorrow. In the meantime, with good Lord bless you, me, James, Frank, the producer, James Corbett from the Corbett Report, CorbettReport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T. Take a look. Bye-bye. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. 
the political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called, and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserved or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
Good ap- good evening, all. I guess it's afternoon somewhere, like in Hawaii, maybe. But uh, here it's evening. It is Wednesday, January 25th, 2017, and it's about 8 minutes after 8 p.m. Pacific time. If that's when it is where you're at, we are live. Eight, uh, I'm not giving that anymore. It still works, but I want to get you used to 541 
That'll get your voice on the air. If you'd rather not do that, then you can go to our website, avrn.tv. I'm just going to say that when it's so easy and short, avrn.tv. And once you get there, you'll see, um, well, pretty much everything you need to know about this network is there. And we have a chat room, so if you'd like to participate, you can do so in there or... Hey, you don't have to participate. You can just uh, socialize. And I guess to an extent you are participating even by just socializing. Well, anyway, let's just get to some... uh, Let's get to some things here. Oh, here's something. You know, I came across this article going through the news. You know, it's not earth-shattering or anything, but it's just something that you should know. You're being scammed once again, manipulated, and listen to this. I mean, Kraft Heinz, you know, John Kerry Heinz, you know him, the one who's married to the the gazillionaire heiress for the Heinz uh, Corporation, which of course is now Kraft, which of course was, uh, you know, put together by, well, yeah, that's right, uh, Warren Buffett. Another one of his little schemes. But here's what they're doing. See, they don't want to spend the big money on the Super Bowl ads like they used to. Okay? But um, they've come up with something new. Now, at first glance, you're going to say, well, that's nice. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you that. Because what they're doing is the day after, the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday, they are giving everybody one free vacation day. You're getting a day off. Okay? That seems nice, doesn't it? Because they don't want to spend the money on the Super Bowl ad. So they're going to be uh, putting it out there, like in this story here, that Bloomberg, of course, decided to uh, write and give them the free advertising that they're looking for. Well, I'm going to give them some free advertising too, but I don't think it's what they were looking for. Because if you read this whole article, you will find that it's only for salaried workers, which aren't workers at all, okay? Yeah, at at a food plant, salaried workers are the white-collar managers and such, and they all get a free day off. But guess who doesn't get the day off? That's right, the hourly wage guys that actually do all the work. They don't get the day off. No, they don't. You get to go to work, sucker. Oh, yeah, you white-collar, sissified, paper-pushing desk jockeys. Oh, they get the day off because they drank a little too much at the Super Bowl Sunday party. But hey, you blue-collar scum, you can drink 50 uh, gallons of beer and feel like crap, but you still got to show up to work. You're getting free nothing. Yeah, that's what Kraft Heinz is doing. So you know what? All you white-collar dirtbags out there that 
just shovel paper around all day and bring home big salaries. And yeah, I am bitter against them. Because you know what? What this country needs is no more white-collar, paper-pushing parasites. Because that's really all they are. Oh, yeah, are making 80, 90, 100,000 a year pushing paper around. I don't produce a thing. I don't make anything. I don't do anything except shovel paper around. Well, you know what? Buy a shredder and fire these people. We don't need them. No, well, I'm really getting tired of them. I mean, you know what the thing is? Sure, of course, everybody needs a manager. But you know what? Working managers. This company just pisses me off that they do something like this. They want free advertising, so they're going to come up with a scam where they give all their little uh, salaried workers the day off, and the blue collars get to go to work anyway. They don't get anything off. And then they, they think that they're going to get some business out of this. Well, you know what, folks? What I would say is if... Hey, you know what? If you're a white-collar, paper-pushing, penciled-neck geek, oh, buy Kraft Heinz, buy Kraft Heinz. But you know what? If you actually work for a living, or even if you're unemployed and you would work for a living if you had a job, uh, there's plenty of other companies that make ketchup and condiments and the same crap they make. Buy it from them, because these people are not your friends. If they were your friends, they would have given everybody the day off. But they didn't. They deliberately didn't give the the uh, per hour people the day off. Just their little salary people. That should go to show what Kraft Heinz thinks of the working man. Not a lot. Man, you know, stuff like that just makes me mad. I know it's not... A big deal. It's not changing the world or anything like that. But still, here's another thing that isn't going to change the world. But it, boy, it makes me mad. Yeah, here we go. The national debate over immigration policy could be coming to a diner near you. Oh, yeah, you're going to like this, folks. See, I'm giving you opportunities to participate. By doing nothing. Yay! It's easy. It's something even an American could do. Nothing. Yay! Yeah, what's your excuse for not doing nothing? Oh, I hear every... I've heard every excuse in the world why I can't do whatever. Why I can't homeschool. Why I can't do this. Why I can't do that. Everybody's got their excuses. And you know really what it comes down to is priorities. Priorities. It's not that you can't. It's you don't want to. You'd rather do something else. So your priorities say, screw that, I'll do something else. But this is easy. You don't have to do anything. This is perfect for America, isn't it? You don't, just don't buy anything from Kraft Heinz, okay? Here's another one. You see a restaurant that has this sanctuary restaurant thing on it? Go somewhere else. Yep, from down-home delis to upscale bistros, dozens of restaurants nationwide. And, and you know, this is news, dozens? Wow, okay, a dozen is 12. 
dozens is at least 24. So at least 24 restaurants nationwide. You know, folks, you know, we we need to get 24 people together in the chat room, and that way we can make national news. We can get these people here, Fox 5, to, uh, you know, cover us and say, well, there's, you know, there's 24 people. There's dozens of people in that chat room. Oh, my gosh. They, you know, let's let's do a story on them. Dozens, I tell you, nationwide. Yeah, they're seeking sanctuary status. A des- designation owners hope will help protect employees in an immigrant-heavy industry and tone down fiery rhetoric sparked by pre- the presidential campaign. You know what? The presidential campaign didn't spark this. People have been saying this for a long time. It's just the Obama administration with his lapdog mainstream media has just shut down everybody so nobody could hear us. That's all. First inspired by churches. Oh, let me clear that up for you. Not really churches, but religious organizational corporations masquerading as churches. Okay? Or, should I say, counterfeiting as churches? Well, that goes along with Satan's deception, doesn't it? That even what you believe is a church isn't really a church. It's a corporation. But first inspired by the masquerading churches that are really corporations, the label is something cities and other public entities have sought to offer local protections to, listen to this, immigrants living in the U.S. illegally. Well, you know what? If you're living in the U.S. illegally, you are not an immigrant. You are an alien invader. I mean, this is like saying, well, a bank customer who illegally, you know, withdrew money. Oh, you mean a bank robber? Yeah. Whether it's barring police from asking citizens about immigration status. Well, you see, you know what? You're not asking citizens about immigration status. You're asking illegal aliens about immigration status. Okay, wow, it is dozens. It's roughly 80 restaurants. All across the country, 80 restaurants. I don't think this is going to catch on, folks, because you know what? I think most restaurant owners, except these 80 idiots here, think that uh, this is going to go over. And it may go over where they live, because this is New York, Minneapolis, Detroit, Boston, Oakland, California, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Now, what, what does all those have in common? Muslims, yeah. The restaurants agree to anti-discrimination policy, put up signs on windows that pronounce their sanctuary status, and receive know-your-rights training, such as webinars on how to ask federal immigration agents for proper paperwork if there's an attempted raid. Some will also offer a text line for customers or employees to report any incidents of harassment. Really? Well, hey, uh, you can also, I'm sure, use that to tell them exactly what you think of their sanctuary status, too. I'm sure they would like that. At Detroit's Russell Street 
Deli, which serves up deli sandwiches and hotcakes. Customers walking in the front door of the racially diverse restaurant see a sign that reads, Sanctuary Restaurant, a place at the table for everyone. Well, does that include rapists and murderers and uh, bank robbers and all that? Are they, they welcome there, too, or are you going to call a cop on them? How about somebody who comes in to rob your store? They okay? I mean, you know, why not? Why wouldn't it be okay to go into these restaurants and just put a gun to their face and say, give me all your money now? Hey, I'm just trying to better my family. That's all. You know, oh, what, you have a problem with this? I'm breaking into your restaurant and stealing your stuff? Well, gee, you don't have a problem with illegal aliens breaking into our country and stealing our stuff. Oh, I see. That's different because that's my stuff. Oh, well, hey, guess what? How's it feel? See, they don't want this for them, but it's okay for you. I have this one little place where I get to decide how people treat each other, said owner Ben Hall, who is biracial and was moved to sign up after a few customers' racially tinged comments. If someone has the need to insult someone, they don't get to participate. I've told them there's another diner next door. I think that's a good idea. Go to the diner next door. Go to the diner up the street. Go to some other diner where, uh, you know, their political opinions are not part of their business. Okay? And that's it. And if somebody wants to do that, that, I'm not saying that he shouldn't do that. I think this guy has every right in the world to put up, look, we love illegal aliens, uh, this, that, and the other thing, whatever. Just like I believe if I own a store and I don't like blacks in my store, I could say, I don't like, get out. If you're black, get out. I'm not serving you. If you're Chinese, get out. I'm not serving you. But, you know, if you're Indian, I like Indian, so I'll serve you. Hey, if it's my store, I've got the right to serve whoever I want and not serve whoever I want. I agree with that. But it's got to apply to everybody. Because if you can say, well, like we're in a state where open carry is allowed and some store says, well, we don't allow that in here. Oh, well, that's too bad. It's the law of the state. You don't get to overrule the law of the state. And no, you don't have a little private place. If it's open to the public, it's not private anymore. See, that works when you've got your car parked in your driveway and you don't have fences all around your, and gates locked around your place. Oh, yeah, the cops will walk right onto your driveway. They'll get right under your car and put a low jack right on it and track you everywhere you go without your knowledge. And then when you fight it in court, they'll tell you, well, it's okay because, you see, your car was open to the public. It was out there in the public, and the courts rule, yeah, that's right, it was. It was right out there where anybody could have got to it, including the cops, so that's what they did, and it's A-OK. You open your place up to the public, you don't have a private place anymore. So, you know, I think it's okay, man. I mean, really, you don't want, it's just like, hey, you don't want long hairs? I got long hair now. You don't want long hairs in your business? That's okay. Just tell me. Get out. I don't I don't serve long hairs. Okay. I'll go somewhere else. And I'll never be back to your place. 
and everybody with long hair won't go to your restaurant. And if you can survive doing business without any long hairs coming into your place and spending their money, hey, then more power to you. Honestly, more power to you, man. If that if you think you can stay in business that way, that's good. What do I care? You're not hurting me. There's plenty of other places to go eat. But it may hurt you when the word gets around that whatever group of people you've decided you don't want in your store starts saying, well, don't go over there. You just lost a whole pile of business. And these people think that, well, we're going to sit here and we're going to say we love illegal aliens and we you can't come in here and arrest any of our illegal aliens. Well, okay, I don't like illegal aliens and I don't want to be around them, so I'm not coming to your I'm not coming to your restaurant. And I'm telling everybody I know not to go to your restaurant. And you can just have all the illegal aliens support you. The movement is loosely defined and largely symbolic. Restaurants are private businesses subject to workplace law and regulations. And a sanctuary designation will do nothing to prevent federal agents from arresting any workers in the country illegally. But organizers of sanctuary restaurants movement say it's a response to the uncertainty surrounding President Donald Trump, whose campaign cornerstones included stepped-up deportations and a wall along the Mexican border. Though he's not given details on how either would be carried out, well, I guess they're not keeping up. They argue the restaurant industry is more vulnerable than others, given its heavy reliance on illegal alien labor. Gee, why is that? Oh, so all these good-meaning, well, oh, just wonderful-hearted people that run these restaurants. Oh, gee, why do they have illegal aliens working at their restaurants? Well, I'll tell you why. Because they don't have to pay them as much. That's why. That's right. And they won't ever complain about working conditions, because if they do, they'll be deported. Man. Uh, I'll tell you, man. But that's what these snowflakes need to figure out, folks, is that there are more of us than them. You know, I read today that Donald Trump is going to investigate, and that's the word he used, but I wish he would use the proper term, audit. Audit. They're going to investigate the elections in a couple of states about voter fraud. Because uh, it turns out, gee, um, there's a lot of people that are dead that are currently voting. There's a lot of illegal aliens currently voting. There's a lot of voter fraud in states like uh, California and New York. And they're going to be investigated. I would like to see the vote audited. You know, because the, the and why Trump's doing it is because all this noise in the media is bothering him, obviously, about how, oh, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by so much. But no, she didn't. She cheated. Okay? She cheated, but she didn't cheat good enough. All right? Wow, look at how much we cheated and we still didn't win. Wah, wah, wah. Somebody who cheats as much as us ought to at least win. Oh, uh, let's see here. Mm, 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 mm. 
Oh. Now, here is a story that I wonder if I can get this other story with this one. If I can find it. I have so many things open here, but... Uh, 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 uh. Ah, yes, okay. A Denver woman's tweets, Denver, remember, woman's tweets supporting the assassination of Donald Trump have gone viral, creating a Twitter firestorm. The woman likely worked temporarily at MSU Denver in 2015. On Thursday, January 19, 2017, a Twitter account belonging to Tracy Pickerell sent a series of tweets that including this reference to President-elect Donald Trump. If anyone is willing to assassinate this, and then she has a picture of a pig, I will gladly set you up a GoFundMe account and set you free. Please. Okay? That is a solicitation for an assassin, folks. Individuals concerned about the threats con uh, contacted Denver police, who said they had forwarded the information to federal authorities to investigate. As of late Friday, no charges have been announced against Pickrill. A LinkedIn profile belonging to a Tracy Pickrill connected the profile to employment at MSU Denver. In addition to a listing for Tracy Ann Pickrill in the A to Z directory on the university's website. The listing was removed Friday morning, and the university's chief, chief spokesperson, Kathy Lucas, told Met Report that there was no record of Tracy Pickerel on MSU Denver's payroll. Yeah, okay, yeah, we, we just, uh, you know, we shredded all that yesterday, and now, hey, there's no record of that. Subsequently, the Met Report obtained a March 2015 email that describes plans for a Tracy Pickerel to start work as an administrative assistant in the university's Office of Marketing and Communications. According to the email, which was sent to office staff members, Pickerel was hired to fill in on a temporary basis. So, it seems as though Kathy Lucas lied. Or did she say, on MSU's Denver's payroll. Not that she never was. Yeah. Well, now, okay, so that's in Denver, and we've got this, uh, you know, obvious disturbed woman, okay, calling, you know, trying to hire somebody, basically, to assassinate the president. Now we have somebody, and I want to know why this one is not fired right now. I want to see in the news that this one is fired and her, you know, she gets no retirement, nothing. A senior U.S. Secret Service agent posted a Fed book condemnations of President Trump during the past seven months, including one in which she said she wouldn't want to take a bullet for him. She explained herself, saying she viewed his presidential candidacy as a disaster for the country, and especially for women and minorities. Carrie O'Grady, the special agent in charge of the Secret Service's Denver District. Gee, I wonder why no charges have been filed. Because oh, Carrie O'Grady's in charge of that district. 
She oversees coordination with Washington-based advanced teams for all presidential candidate and presidential trips to the area. Boy, I wouldn't be going to Denver anytime soon until this woman is replaced. Despite her senior security role... She has made her disdain for Trump and his incoming administration clear to her Fedbook followers, who included current and former Secret Service agents and other people who were employees at the time of the posts. O'Grady's posts triggered at least one complaint to the office that oversees investigations into Secret Service misbehavior. Two knowledgeable sources told the Washington Examiner in one Fedbook post, O'Grady wrote at 11.07 p.m. on a Sunday in October, she endorsed Hillary Clinton and said she would endure jail time rather than taking a bullet for what she regarded as a disaster for America. Well, you know what? I would make her dream come true and put her in a jail cell right now for the whole term of Trump's presidency, whether it's eight years or four years. You get to sit in a cell, lady. Man, in the same post, she mentioned the Hatch Act, which bars executive branch staff, except the president, vice president, some other senior uh, executive officials, from engaging in certain political activities. As a public servant for nearly 23 years, I struggle not to violate the Hatch Act, so I keep quiet, skirt the medium, she wrote. To do otherwise can be a criminal offense for those in my position, despite the fact then I am expected to take a bullet for both sides. But this world has changed, and I have changed, and I would take jail time over a bullet or an endorsement for what I believe to be a disaster to this country and strong and amazing women and minorities who reside here. Hatch Act be damned. I'm with her. Well, there goes her job, folks, as far as I'm concerned. Okay? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Could you imagine if people were acting like that when Obama, the Kenyan Muslim faggot, was president? Wow. Well, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit.
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. You've just defended yourself with a gun. There are multiple assailants, and you are really concerned about your legal jeopardy and the resulting media coverage. Was deadly force justified? In your town, the politics of self-defense is not favorable, but at least you're alive and your family is protected. Fortunately, you have Self-Defense Fund, a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney cost per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is uh, Wednesday, January 25th, 2017, about 844 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast. 541-826-0953 is the call-in number. AVRN.TV is the website, and uh, there's other ones, too. You probably already know them, but anyhow... Once you get there, you'll see everything you need to know about the network is there. And we have a chat room. If you haven't yet gotten a uh, username, just send me an email, which is also on the on the uh, website, AmericanVoiceRadio at Yahoo.com. Anywho, uh, as a matter of fact, during the break, I was just discussing with somebody in the chat room that last story about the woman working for the Secret Service who says she won't take a bullet for... Donald J. Trump as president because she thinks he's a disaster for the country. Uh, well, you know, the problem is she's a senior agent and she's in charge. And you can bet if she has an attitude like that and she thinks that she can get on her little social networking and start protesting against the, the, the president and basically saying that she would rather go to jail than do her job for this man. And that she doesn't care about the Hatch Act, and she's with her, which uh, you're not allowed to do that either. Then what's the rest of her office like? What are her underlings like? If that's what she is like, then that whole office is corrupted, and everybody in the Denver Secret Service needs to be fired. Because, you see, the minute they found out that this is what she's like, they should have reported her. <laughs> You know, and said, look, we, we don't want to be working for somebody like this. But they didn't. So uh, guess what? They're guilty. All of them should be out on the street. No pay. No nothing. Nada. You violated your oath, which uh, the person in the chat room brought up. You violated your terms of employment. You violated the Hatch Act. You're lucky I don't throw your ass in jail. You're fired and you get nothing. That's what they should do. To her and all her little cohorts in Colorado's, you know, the Denver Secret Service. Now, remember, this is Colorado, okay? This is the state that decided, bah, we're not going to have any voting. We're just going to, we, we are going to decide, we, whoever we are in that Republican Party in Colorado, we are going to decide Ted Cruz won. No voting necessary. We've decided. So apparently, Colorado has some real problems. What's happened is, too many Californians have moved to Colorado. That's what the problem is. Everywhere Californians go, they ruin it. Just like they ruined the state they came from. Because California, they like to talk about seceding. If they seceded, they would be 
taken over by China or some other country because there's no way they could ever make it. Their economy is a fraud. Oh, we're the sixth largest economy in the world. Yeah, and what kind of an economy is that? What do you produce? How many factories do you have? Not many because California has been on the rampage against businesses, oh, for the last almost 30 years now. And I mean rampaging against them. Oh, what's this? You got cows? You have cows. You're, you're milking them. Well, what are they doing while they're standing there being milked and eating? Why? They're farting. Oh, my God, they're farting. They're, they're, they're polluting the environment. They're creating global warming. They're killing us all. We have to put, you know, butt plugs on all of your uh, cows, and we have to capture all of that methane, and then we can use it as a renewable resource. And, yeah, and you get to pay for all of it. I don't understand why any business would want to stay in California. No idea. Can't can't fathom it. Don't understand. I just really don't get it. I mean, with 49 other choices, why that one? I I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yep, and somebody in the uh, chat room is remembering what happened to the air traffic controllers in the 80s when they went on strike. You're fired. See, that's one thing Ronald Reagan did that I actually agreed with, that he actually did, rather than just give a speech about. Because most of what most of you remember Reagan for never really happened. Okay, it was all just speeches. He gave really great speeches. Unlike Obama, who the media just said gave really great speeches, well, he really didn't give good, great speeches, but, you know, they said it enough times where the snowflakes all believed it because they don't have any minds of their own, and they wouldn't know good if it smacked them in the head. Thing is, most of what Ronald Reagan gave speeches about never happened in policy, never actually happened. He never actually did any of them, but... He actually did fire the air traffic controllers, and I, I agreed with that decision then, and I still do, because it's like, look, man, you know, no matter how bad your job is, you know, you're an air traffic controller. You've got to realize, look, this is an important job. You know, you don't come to work, and uh, planes start crashing in each other, or nobody flies anywhere. You know, it is critical infrastructure, and you don't get to go on strike, okay? You got beefs, you got problems, quit your job. Go get a different job you don't like your job. You know, this is how things work, folks. You don't like your job, then go get a different one. You know what I mean? If you can't work with your employer and say, listen, man, you know, you're working us to death. We're all tired. We're going to start crashing airplanes. This is going to be real bad. You got to do something about it. You know, cut our shifts, give us more breaks, whatever it is. And if they just go, no, shut up, get back to work. Well, you know what? I quit. I'm not going to protest. I'm not going out on strike. I quit. But no, they didn't. They went out on strike and they got fired. And I think it's good. And, I, you know, I'm, I think any public employee, I don't think there should be any public employee unions, to tell you the truth. 
Oh, you don't think the government's going to treat you good enough by giving you a job that pays twice as much as what the public, the private sector pays for the exact same thing? Oh, that's not good enough for you? Well, good. Don't take the job. I guarantee you somebody else will. They don't need a union. It's just another device for graft and corruption. That's all. All right, let's get to this as much as I can. It's not really, there's a lot to it, and I'm probably not going to get to much of it. But I do want to touch on it because it's kind of been, it's a story. I think it's real, but I think it's being exaggerated to make it look stupid. And I think it's being done on purpose. You know, I think there's trolls out there taking it and making insane accusations that aren't true just to discredit the real evidence behind the true story. What am I talking about? Well, contrary to reports in the media, the crowdsourced investigation labeled by some as Pizzagate. See, we've got to have that catchy name. Then we can start with the ridiculous accusations and everybody can say, oh, that crap. But it did not begin with Internet sleuths digging through the WikiLeaks Podesta files released releases looking for pizza parlors and encoded language discussing human trafficking. It began with the shocking discovery that Hillary and Bill Clinton provided assistance to convicted child trafficker Laura Silsby, resulting in a reduced sentence for child trafficking. You know, there's people spending 20 years in prison for robbery. And, you know, that's probably right. Robbery's bad. I'm thinking 10 years for robbery is about right. Maybe five if there was no, you know, real violence involved. But child trafficking? Uh, I'm sorry. That's got to be a little more than robbery. That's got to be a little... That's, that's, on the, that's on the level of rape and murder. Don't you think? Child trafficking? Oh, yes, but the Clintons got her her uh, sentence reduced. Silsby was, get this. Oh, and this has to do with Haiti. You know, how the Clintons helped the Haitians so much because what the Haitians really needed after their whole island got destroyed by a hurricane, well, they needed more luxury hotels. That's what they really needed, so the Clintons were there to build them for them. Isn't that great? Because that's what everybody needs. You know, when your house gets blown down and half your family's dead, what you need is a new luxury hotel down the street. Yeah, that's what you need. Silsby was arrested at the Haitian border attempting to smuggle 33 children out of Haiti without documentation. Her sentence and charges were reduced after an intervention by Bill Clinton. In the aftermath of Silby's arrest, her originally retained lawyer, Jorge Polilio, was arrested in connection with an international smuggling ring accused of trafficking women and minors from Central America and Haiti. Oh, yeah, that's that Hillary Clinton boy. She's the woman's president because, you know, she has a vagina and everything. Yeah, she's the woman's president. Uh Uh-huh. Trafficking women and children. Wow, this revelation of this news in November was either ignored by the Western media or attacked by Clinton-controlled publications. 
Hillary Clinton intervened politically on behalf of Laura Silsby. Laura Silsby is the former director of the New Life Children's Refuge. Emails from her organization can be found in WikiLeaks Hillary Clinton email archive discussing the NGO before her arrest. Silby's organization also appears in Clinton's emails soliciting donations for their ministry. The refuge was founded by Silsby and Carissa Coulter. Both attendees of the Central Valley Baptist Church in Meridian, Idaho. Silsby was reported to have a history of bad debts and unpaid wages. Laura had claimed she planned to build an orphanage in the Dominican Republic, but a State Department diplomatic cable revealed that authorities in the country said she never submitted an application for this purpose. They instead located to Haiti. On January 29, 2010, Silsby was arrested with nine other American nationals attempted to steal 33 children from the country, most of whom were not even orphans and had families, according to some reports. CNN reported on February 9, 2010 that this was not the first time Silsby had attempted to traffic children out of Haiti. Haitian police acting on a tip had intercepted Silsby in an earlier separate attempt to remove 40 children out of the country. She was turned back at the Haitian border. For a brief period, Haitian authorities were considering adding a new kidnapping charge based on the evidence. Hillary and Bill Clinton took an extraordinary interest in Silsby's case from the moment she was arrested and almost immediately stepped in on her behalf. The Harvard Human Rights Journal stated that one of Bill Clinton's first acts as special envoy for the United Nations in Haiti was to put out the fire of child abduction scandal involving American citizens. On February 7, 2010, the Sunday Times reported that Bill Clinton had intervened to strike a deal with the Haitian government securing the release of all co-conspirators except Silsby. Prosecutors ultimately sought a six-month sentence. A whole six months for trafficking 30 children? That's it? Wow. Reducing charges for conspiracy and child abduction to mere arranging irregular travel. Really? Arranging irregular travel? You're stealing 30 children? A shockingly light penalty given the circumstances of her arrest which would likely not have been possible but for the intervention of the Clintons in Silsby's case. Then, February 9, 2010, Hillary Clinton consulted with Counselor Cheryl Mills and other attorneys in an email discussing the U.S. government's options regarding the arrested Americans. The heavily redacted memo attached to that email does not reveal what these options consisted of. However, the State Department American Citizen Service is only authorized to offer lists of local English-speaking attorneys to Americans arrested or detained abroad. To go beyond that authorization is a severe violation of protocol and is illegal. Additional emails reveal that the State Department was concerning with making statements on the Silsby scandal and preparing to assist Silsby's co-conspirators conspirators with their return to the United States, although this is consistent with State Department protocol in these situations. Now, Silsby's lawyer and his wife were both arrested for involvement in human sex trafficking of minors and women. Wow! 
This goes on and on. Then, as we get down here further, we get to the publications that, you know, engaged in an illicit cover-up. Yeah. This is who they are. Oh, man. You know, the, we've, we've got a really, really bad bunch in Washington, D.C. And uh, as you see with Hillary Clinton's decisive defeat, it doesn't matter. You can beat them. You can, you, you can throw them out of town, and they don't go away. They won't go away until they're dead. That's when they'll go away. Maybe start thinking about that, folks. Anyway, I got to go. I'll be back again tomorrow. We got great stuff coming up tonight, so stay tuned. And as always, thanks for listening. Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. And today's video that we're producing uh, is HARP and Beyond. It's been a long time since we produced a video on HARP and really brought out the information in the context of where we are now in 2006 versus where we were when we first disclosed uh, this story in the book Angels Don't Play This Harp back in 1995. So today's topic uh, will deal with the various aspects of HARP um, and talk about what's happened uh, since with some of the key players involved in that research, as well as the political implications and where this technology uh, is going from here. I have a doctorate in traditional and complementary medicines. I come from a political family here in Alaska, uh, second generation of uh, political involvement here. I also have a background in education, being twice elected president of the Alaska Federation of Teachers and the Anchorage Council of Education. I've written three books, co-authored with uh, James Roderick and Gene Manning. 
and presently the executive director of the Lay Foundation on Technologies, which is involved in uh, researching and educating the public on technology issues. And currently it's providing us a great deal um, uh, of the research base necessary to produce this video uh, and, and much of our work into the future. Welcome to my library. I want to start with a little discussion of the Lay Institute on Technology, Inc., which was set up as a Texas nonprofit corporation primarily uh, to educate the public on uh, the impacts of technology. And as a result of uh, that effort and my work with uh, Dorothy Lay, the founder of that foundation, uh, we're able to uh, continue to archive and develop material uh, that's useful uh, for, for research projects like this and many others. In fact, all that material now is posted on the Internet at, at www.layinstitute.org. And if you go there and you look at the site, there's a, um, uh, an area called EPI Search, and that is our research index. And so if you go there, you can search any keyword. You can look up HARP or climate change or radio or microwave or any of the uh, words that um, are of interest to you, and you'll see every document that we've stored there on those uh, archives available to the public uh, in a way that makes it uh, more useful in researching these issues. So take a look at that. It's useful in, uh, in conjunction with this uh, production today. But let's get back to the HARP issue and where that issue uh, began for me. HARP, HARP started uh, really with a very short um, segment, a little article actually in a magazine called Nexus, an Australian journal. Uh, I read the article and it was about a project taking place here in Alaska called HARP, the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Project. And at that time, it was being operated by the uh, U.S. Navy and Air Force uh, in developing uh, what they called a developmental prototype um, for weapons applications of a very, very large uh, radio frequency array or field of antennas located here in Alaska. And so, you know, what happened when I read that article is I, you know, I looked at it and I thought, you know, Alaska is a, a big place geographically, but when you think about it uh, politically, it's very small. We have a small population. You tend to hear about what's going on, and virtually nothing had been reported in our local media regarding this project. And I'm kind of a curious person, and the article was pretty outrageous in what it was claiming. So I went and looked at uh, what was available um, first by searching the sources that were cited in that article at our local library, LUSAC, which happens to be one of 78 uh, libraries at that time in the country that were designated as federal repositories, places where any unclassified federal record are either stored or they have to produce it for you for free. So it's an incredible research um, library here in Anchorage, and as I said, 78 of them around the United States. As a result, we were able to verify all the sources in that article. That got me pretty concerned. And I went uh, next to uh, talk to Trustees for Alaska, which is one of the larger sort of umbrella environmental groups in Alaska. And my thought was, you know, with the implications of this system, this group certainly had to be following the issue. And su surprisingly, uh, they weren't. In fact, they said the Audubon Society was looking at it. So I went over to the Audubon Society in Anchorage and talked to them. They had a very short file on the HARP project, and basically what they were concerned about was the few hundred of acres of wetlands that were going to be disturbed, and they were concerned about the flyway, where birds, uh, migratory birds, uh, were coming across that particular region. But those were their only concerns. Uh, there were much, much bigger implications to HARP discovering that virtually nobody was following the issue, it seemed like a very, very important issue to me. And so what I did is I sent um, a, a large amount of material, including the technical specifications for the array, 
to a friend of mine, a physicist, who had the background to take a look um, at whether or not the claims on this facility were actually real and whether it really was um, a threat. The conclusion that he and others made uh, was that it was a very significant issue, one that needed some public attention, and they insisted that I write an article about the subject. And so that began for me um, a journey that's now lasted 11 years in dealing with this issue and those things that came uh, out of it. But let's talk about what HARP uh, can do. As I said, it's a, uh, an array, a field of antennas. And what it, what it essentially started as was 48, uh, six in one direction, eight in another direction. And these are 72 feet tall with a cross diapole. So they're a column going up and then a cross diapole going like so. And by firing these antenna in a very specific order. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.